Welcome to the Ether. Today is Sunday, September 11th, 2022. Today on the Ether, part two of a multi-part CFI space. Be careful what you say. You never know who is listening, listening, listening. Let's take a listen, listen, listen. Okay, thanks so much. So I just want to uh, pose back. Uh, I realized that Coach is. Uh, account got suspended and so may, i'm just gonna encourage us. yeah and so here's the thing let's just as as he and they and we might say just let's make it happen um you know and 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 psychically is the way to begin right and so fuck all of the division at this point like just send power and make it happen all right so, so you want to manifest coach coming back is that what you're saying no, that's what you're saying, right? And so what I'm saying is that um, <clears throat> let's just make it happen. Okay, so that's that's the first thing. The second thing is I just want to bring it back to, and, and I just want to show some appreciation. And part of this is when guys, I don't know if there are any non-guys here, but when guys hang out alone without the feminine, particularly um, you know, we have the potential to get radically destructive. That's what happens. And so part of the intelligence and the humor, right? I didn't realize it because uh, I'm an old OG Luna guy, okay? From the beginning, not from the beginning, but early, right? And, um, you know, bring me back to coach, but I do want to go to the tax thing. And this is global. I'm in New York and I just met with my tax guy. And I showed him what I was doing with Anchor Protocol, right? I showed him that I was putting my Luna in as collateral and barring again and taking UST out, right? And the beauty is that's, at least in New York, that's a, it's not a taxable event, right? And so loans, it's not capital gains, right? And so the thing is, there's two things with taxes, right? And I'm not your freaking crypto tax lawyer, but I could be. Right. And the point is that intent, except in fascist systems, which, you know, are increasing, but we can fight fascist systems. Right. There's no question. And the point is, is that um, except in fascist quasi justice systems. Right. Intent is like ninety nine percent of the law. Right. And so be. So be clear of that. And so it's not about, you know, skirting taxes. It's about being smart. And so what Sefi and folks are talking about where and, and, and when Grover gets involved and then, you know, coach supports. Right. And, and then we bring in women. Right. And uh, gender fluid people. Right. Because 
if we were in yesterday's space, the last coach that I was with, with, uh, with, with coach, there was a Nigerian young man, right? And that was cool because we got to first hearing he was like really upset about losing money and pissed at Do Kwan. And that's understandable, but probably didn't see behind the scenes like Long Dao sees that Do Kwan is a prob- probably a quiet ally. And the real question here is like, and so I'll just bring it back to Seth. You have some questions around, because what I've been doing, once I started to real that, realize that Long Dao was a meme coin, right? And it was the first one that I saw that had some maturity about it. And just because it's humor and it's squirting and it's this and it's that, it's fucking funny. Okay. And I started hanging out because I'm like, fuck, now I can bring together some of my best interests, which is crypto and freedom and radical being able to just express myself. And granted, I'm fortunate. I'm in New York. This is the free state of New York. You can be fucking anybody here. I don't give a fuck who you are. You're welcome here. Okay, I'm the mayor of Central Park. Okay, so the point is that what I've been doing once I realized that Lunk Dow was a thing, I'm like, how the fuck do I get Lunk without going onto centralized exchanges? Because I got off because of all the shit that you guys are talking about, all the trading. Those are fucking taxable events, right? I don't give a fuck if it's on KuCoin or Binance or 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 Gemini. The point is, is that I'm off the grid increasingly and i've been trading all of my old uh luna classic tokens for lunk on on chain now and i'm like starting to build my bag from and so my question seppi to you is or for anybody else here is like what's going to happen with all the on-chain lunk and because I've turned everything I had, all my old prism, all my old everything, I'm turning it into Luna and I'm building a bag. And my question is, what's going to happen with all that? Well, that's that's a pretty heavy question. <laughs> but uh, right now, um, so what happened when Luna crashed was, of course, the hyperinflation of the coin and the um, drop in value of UST was all part of like the the sort of demise of the sort of like UST Luna peg mechanism. Um, then we of course got airdropped. If you had, if you were part of all that mess, you got yep. airdropped the original Luna coin. And for one thing, like if you have Luna and it's vesting, there um, I've spoken to. Um, I'm on one of the committees that kind of was doling out community funds to various projects that are building on Terra. There's at least uh, like like something like 30 to 40 different things that are being either built or continuing to function. So one thing is you might get some of your value back on the original Luna chain, which is a fully functioning, fully upgraded Cosmosm uh, smart contract chain now. So it actually is like built to succeed. It is built to um, uh, pay the validators with inflationary rewards. Um, It doesn't really need any special extra funding so long as people use it it'll work, right? It'll work as well as like a Juno or anything else. So that's that chain. <clears throat> Luna Classic has um, this like um, kind of high coin supply, but actually the coin supply doesn't necessarily matter. Like you could try to memify it and like, you know, burn coins and do all this business. But 
ultimately the market cap is based on the number of circulating supply or the number of supply multiplied by the cost of the coin. If people want to build on the Classic, they certainly can. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, there are several initiatives taking place. Um, one of them is to try to re-enable uh, inter-blockchain communication for Luna Classic to the rest of the cosmos. Um, Sunny and some of the others have been investigating that and how to reconnect Osmosis, for example, to Luna Classic and, and have people that have like trapped money and LPs and all that made whole. Um, part of the trick is like anytime you have a zombie chain, like where like, for example, you know, t t Terraform, I'm sorry, blah, tongue tied here, Terraform Labs, <laughs> Terraform Labs um, yeah. yeah, where the, where the sort of like holders of all of the keys essentially to the chain, um, the, there's a tricky problem is like, who do you hand those over to? Do you hand those over to like, is it to validators? Is there some kind of multi-sig? Like how the hell do you, to, to so so Terraform Labs doesn't really want to be particularly involved with Luna Classic at this point necessarily. They have sort of like they want to move on to sort of build on the the secondary chain, which is fine. Like the community can be the Luna Classic chain or whatever. It's all sure. good. Um, but at the same time, like that represents kind of certain hurdles, some technical hurdles that are being addressed right now. Um, Jacob with Notional, uh, uh, who is a validator on Osmosis, uh, he's been uh, posting a little bit about it. I think Sunny has responded. Um, we've been able to get like Binance to respond about this burn tax thing. So a lot of right. things are happening on Classic. Um, Terra Rebels and uh, a guy by the name of Kim, they're kind of like working on some different ideas to build this up. Why are they bothering? The first question you have to ask is why bother? Um, the reason to bother is because there's like a large community um, that sort of bought the coin. Capital came in. The price of the, the market cap went up. People are out there, um, like actively building Terra Rebels and um, and and some of the other guys there, and um, it, it's possible to bring the chain to to full function to be just like any other uh, Cosmos chain. Uh, you might ask, well, like, what's so special about it? Why bother? Like, why not just simply go by Juno, or why not just get Luna? Um, so these are all certainly important questions people have to answer for themselves. Um, a brand new sort of community emerged. A lot of new retail buyers came and bought Luna Classic and yeah. who don't necessarily know about the past of Luna or care or whatever there. But at the same time, um, they have to understand that like the there is not a really, really clear, uh, cohesive vision necessarily for where the Luna Classic chain is going to go. So it's not like... Um, you know, so memes go so far, and if you can attract enough capital, and people decide to like legitimately build and make utility for the chain, obviously the longevity is going to be much much better. But um, a significant portion of people bought Luna Classic largely as a speculative instrument, just yeah. to sort of play around, right? You know that. Yeah. Um, Actually, why did like I came in post crash? Like I knew nothing about Luna, and I, I've actually been learning from the spaces and everything like that. So, I'm, but yeah, it's yeah. It's so weird. like for right. some for some reason, like people just sort of hop on. They're like, I don't know. I just sort of found this thing out of nowhere, and um, it's weird how crypto works like that. You you get in through some gateway drug of some kind of like crypto that you thought was interesting. A lot of people it used to be Bitcoin. Some people is Ethereum, and now it's just a whole variety of different things. They just heard it from out of from a friend or whatever, right? And yeah. um, and then they're learning about other aspects of like what crypto can do and what kind of capabilities and whatnot. Um, yeah, it, there's a lot of amazing things um, that can be done in the crypto space in terms of both as an investor, a user, um, a developer, and all of that. Um, but um, I, I think I think uh, the question, should, Sefi, the question yeah. I have, like, 
like for me, it's easy because I've got, I mean, I got airdrop new Luna, right? I'm just holding it. It's tied up until 24 and 25. I just feel fortunate that that happened. Right. And so, but for Luna classic, right. And this whole long Dow, you know, meme coin thing, I mean, it was a good way for me to say, hey, oh, I get it, <laughs> right? Like, Lunk is now like any meme, but it has a built-in community. And no, Lunk Dow, Lunk Dow is just Bruce's, um, I the know. name of his it's validator. It's his validator. So, yeah. It's his validator. It's and his he's validator. Very dangerous. Yeah, he's created kind of this memification movement around it, which is fun, right? right? But right lunk, lunk isn't a meme coin it's still got utility like calling it a lunk as calling lunk a meme coin just kind of devalues the whole project there is an yeah. entirety, it's a full, it's it a full, it's a cosmos chain it has projects on it it has capabilities right um, it has nft projects etc cetera, etc cetera. so when it's not a it's like way ahead of many meme coins like doge or um totally. or for example like a, a, a shit or something like that it's way ahead of those things in terms of actual functioning things that can happen on it. And so I wouldn't necessarily assume that um, developers won't come and try to take um, some advantage of the capital in that space. Um, so, yeah, it's, it totally question, depends. How do, yeah. how do you onboard people directly onto the blockchain? That's the question. Because, like, so for me, I can answer that. A, good. Because let me just ask the question. Because And then please tell me. Because I've got already a Terra Station wallet. I, once I saw Lunk Dow that he was doing his thing, I started staking my my Lunk on it, and now I'm getting rewards. How does a guy like from Nigeria or from whatever who you know hears about Lunk onboard directly onto the blockchain now? A lot of people are just buying Luna Classic on KuCoin and Binance, and there a lot of yeah. people just are not even moving theirs to their wallet. They're just leaving on the on the, the exchange. Don't forget, a lot of people my, are just hoping it goes up so they can sell it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess. So. But also, something else you were saying, I think you wanted to know about projects getting on board as well. Something that doesn't get mentioned enough, and this is just something that's happening like slowly but surely. So do you understand that Terra 2 isn't a fork? It's a Genesis blockchain. Totally. Yeah, I understand that. So what's going on in 2023, because it's a Genesis and it's not a hard fork, Luna and Luna 2 are compatible. So they're trying to bring utility. Well, they're not trying. They will. There will be a point at which both chains talk to each other perfectly fine and utility can be shared at this, synchronously. So where right. something's going on on Luna 2, it can go on Luna 1, which means both chains will grow exponentially with each other. So yeah, even sounds great. And that is going to drive the price up. So if we, if the burn me burning mechanism is a success, which we all hope it will be, we've seen the daily trading volume on Binance. Right. It's, you know, even if it drops 20, 30%, the utility coming on board in 23, just from Luna 2 doing its own thing, and that's not even including all the projects like, uh, there's a big gaming project trying to get onto uh, Luna Classic. I keep forgetting what it is. It's like a, it's like a sci-fi one. Do you know what I want about, Sevi? I'm not sure. I haven't heard. I'll, I'll look into it again in a bit, but they're trying to get onto Luna Classic, and that's going to be a big project on there. So that's just one other aspect of Luna Classic still having utility being put onto it. You've got the is it Luna Punks? They've just started like releasing proper or the, the contraband Luna Punks on there to attract new uh, NFT holders. Uh, Lunk Penguins, I think is Lunk Penguins an NFT thing, or is that a platform? I always forget. Yeah, people Cat people also generally love a like recovery story, like a Phoenix story, yeah. where you know the the system comes back from the ashes 
it's like a you know like when a lot of people get wrecked simultaneously too like a lot of people that are have luna classic also are obviously luna holders um and yeah you know like this idea of like this phoenix rising story and this kind of shit is really compelling um people love an underdog people love to kind of like you know come back from the bottom and um and in in art culture if you look at nft culture right a lot of it's based in suffering and loss and um like the, the 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 most compelling stories about art tend to be not just the quality of art but the story that the art tells and I think um, art, you know, that emerges on, say, for example, in a classic has a bit of a um, maybe there's like there's a backstory almost to it. There's a there's kind of like it creates its own kind of social credibility or like, um, you know, you've been through this suffering and you come through it. So you never know, like with these things. Um, and again, I'm not saying go and buy whatever, like you, you guys do whatever the hell you want. Like I always say that, like I, I, I couldn't care less what you do or don't buy. Um, I'll be fine either way. The the point is like, um, it, it is difficult though, to do your research on these things, especially when you don't, you don't know the nuances of them. Um, and also you might say, well, like Luna Classic's not the only thing you could buy. There's all sorts of crypto in the world, right? So there, you know, you, you get involved with the projects that you believe speak to you that you believe are going to better your life in some way. I think the last thing when it comes to crypto, you should be worried about is how much money you're going to make on it because a lot of people won't make money, right? They will lose money actually. Now I would, I would ask yourself like, why am I doing this? Why am I buying the things I want? Am I entertaining myself? Am I having fun? Is this, uh, is this some sort of investment? Uh, what do you seek to achieve when you, when you buy crypto of one sort or the other? Uh, should I just buy enough just to buy what I want, like NFTs or maybe, spending money uh, or something like that um I, I think everyone has to think about them f- for themselves very carefully and then make a decision but like a lot of people are like oh i'm gonna buy it this much and it's gonna go up you know to 20x and i'm gonna make money um this is probably not the mentality that's likely to get you actually rich uh, unless you get very very lucky and just like grab the 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 you know very lucky things at the bottom somehow and for some reason they go up I think it's uh, what you want to look at very carefully, generally as an, an investor, is is there a good reason over a five year time frame why this should go up in value besides just like you know random hype or something like that? And I, th- I think that is important. So I wouldn't like throw your life savings into any one thing necessarily because you remember you're relying upon centralized groups like let's say Terra Rebels or Kim or whoever. Um, you don't know these people necessarily, or maybe you do, but like how, how much can you trust that they're going to do a good job? We don't know. Uh, I don't assume that they're going to do a great job. We'll know years from now whether or not they execute on all the ideas that they have for Luna Classic, but there's no guarantee that's going to happen. What if a bomb blows up in the main developer's house or some shit and like things, you know, or whatever, right? Like any bad things can happen when you have a centralized system where um, where a team or a company is involved, um, things can go awry and you want to make sure that you don't have uh, too much money in any one place. I think is a fair, um, uh, like a fair um, consideration considering that you are trusting your money with people that you don't know. And that's always a, a factor. Joshua, do you have a comment point? I think Joshua's waiting a bit too before we get to Pav. Well, my hand went up when we were talking about, you know, kind of policing the station. Oh, yeah. Talk about whatever you want, by the way. Um, So uh, a small point to kind of throw out there is, I mean, we do have Anonymous that's already kind of doing some weird stuff. They uh, they kind of aren't the paramilitary force we've got, so uh, we don't really class them as their own thing. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, it was just a one-off. 
Yeah, it was like pretty lighthearted. It was a lot of fun uh, talk that was going on, and I just kind of chuckled. Um, yeah, you're right, though. Anonymous is kind of a decentralized hacking organization to sort of like attack specific actors. Um, it's kind of a vigilante style methodology. Um, and those things will emerge, right? Like they will emerge within Cosmos. They'll emerge within the crypto space for sure. Like they, they just happen. Yeah, that's all I had. It was, I, I am yeah, I'm great enjoying example. my time listening. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, taking, taking my questions. Comments. No, perfect example, actually. That's a, that's a great example of like an emergent property of um, decentralized systems. They went off to Quan, didn't they, at one point? Or at least there was a video out. I don't know like, if it was them specifically or like, you know, one of those little uh, poses. But yeah, they, they, they go off to do Quan. I, and, and it kind of rolled into that as well. I, I mean, I, I saw something on, on that as well, on, on Crypto Banter, where he played the anonymous video to Do Quan, so... Yeah, that's why there's a Luke one here. Like, Duke one doesn't exist anymore. We we have a, a Luke one sitting in the uh, listeners because, uh, you know, Duke one cannot exist anymore because Anonymous attacked him. So it is what it is. Yeah, it's it's so um, interesting how kind of political governance is evolving in this new decentralized world. I was watching recently a talk by Curtis Yarvin, a kind of controversial philosopher, Bay Area guy, grew up as a as a state department brat um started a decentralized project called urbit with backing from peter thiel and, and founders fund has been doing a lot of political philosophy recently on america should become a monarchy america should become fast fascist um and he, one of the, the examples that he gives is is using crypto networks to create um basically isis at scale where there's a ceo that's um, nominated by 10 different senators. The senators are all known to the kind of the spiritual kind of keepers of the ISIS values at the beginning. Um, and then once the first 10 senators are selected, they quickly turn around and, and turn the keys over to 10 anonymous senators. Each of, each of them pick one anonymous person. So then nobody knows who has the keys. Um, and then those 10, their only job is to make sure that there's like a CEO, like a Vitalik or a, or a, um, a Do Kwan in place um, with certain kind of rights and authorities to drive the project. Um, I mean, this stuff's being discussed. I, I, I think Curtis is just, you know, talking philosophically, but I, I'm sure groups are listening and, you know, structures are being drawn up. Uh, Seth, are you here? Yeah, sorry about that. Um Chango was messaging me. She's one of the people that uh, she has that like channel called Interchain FM. She was messaging me, asking me about this Luna Classic burn tax because she's going to have someone from Binance on her show. And she was asking me what the whole details of it were. Uh, she's like, is there a YouTube video or something like that that clarifies what this is? And I'm like, I think I can just explain it to you. And it's a short message. And I was just typing to her what it is. The, the well, that's something like Happy Cat Crypto. He, you know, I, I watch him every now and again. Send her, send her, send her to him afterwards if she's still like stuck. Yeah, yeah. Happy Cat can explain it. Thoroughly. She's trying to figure out what to ask Binance about this. Um, oh, but do you guys have a, a video or something that I could link to her? Actually, uh, not at uh, the moment, but I can. Demon do Monkey, Mike. Stay around. One sec, Demon Demon Monkey, you there? Hey, Sefi, I'll send you the actual. Uh, white paper on it 
that uh, TF, uh, TR had posted, and it breaks down okay. the entire tax on everything. I'll send it over to you right Is now. There a, yeah, that'd be perfect. Um, actually, I can maybe forward that to um, to to Django. Yep, I'll do it right now. She, 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 she's going to be talking to Binance on her show, apparently, uh, on September 22nd. So she'd asked me if I'd come on the show, and I'm like, oh, shit, I got work that morning. Uh, it's not going to work out, but anyway. I, I can possibly get well, uh, uh, Edward or somebody from TR on that. Um, yeah, if you can uh, tweet me the, the the relevant parties who really know what they're doing, um, I can maybe see if they're willing to go on um, on the show with her. I don't know if they're anonymous or what, but like I think she she's she does anonymous inter- interviews as well on her YouTube channel. But I'm not sure. No, they're open. They've been on Happy Caddy Crypto's uh, YouTube. Um, they're they're open. They're doxed. Everything. So. Yeah, do me a favor. Yeah, send me that real quick. DM me those names. I think, uh, yeah, you can DM me. So uh, then I'll take that and I'll just forward it to her. Um, or if you want to just message her directly, uh, we can just like at her on uh, Twitter. That'd be fine as well. I'll just send them all over to you. It's easier. You know her. Okay. Yeah, she was she was asked. She and I talked at some point and um the question i had for her was like i was trying to understand from her like some of the early cosmos politics like between like why the founders and some of the people early in the cosmos kind of end up splitting and parting ways and you know between like um people like um you know uh jay kwan ethan buckman and zaki and all these people that kind of sort of like started out the cosmos but then like you know, had is- interpersonal issues and, and like, I guess, personality conflicts and stuff like that, causing a, sort of like a divergence in uh, the cosmos. Steffi, can I ask you a layman question while you're still there? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I have a question regarding staking. Well, I'm, I'm staking with Bruce, but it, it doesn't matter. I wanted to ask about the reward system. Is it uh, fixated on anything or uh, if it changes? constantly what uh, what decides to change exactly um well so you mean on luna classic or with luna too no nah, with love with love yeah so with classic um so i believe the current rewards emissions are from the community pool for the next one and a half years what has not been made clear to everybody is how validators are going to get paid and how people are going to receive that after like as it gets closer to that one and a half years completing like will there have to be some sort of like inflationary mechanism baked into the coin like most other cosmos chain so you can get paid some yield for staking i think that's a question that continues to remain um so yeah there's on the luna classic side of things there's a lot of unknowns as far as like the longer term future as far as like what people are going to vote for um but no the yield or whatever you're getting is not immutable it could change and it probably has to change just depending on um, what final doesn't mechanism is doesn't actually. Doesn't change on total stake divided by what you hold. So like your share of the overall staking pool, and then that's what you get yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. The percentage, mm. okay. the percentage yeah. that you receive. Um, yeah. Is, is based in a variety of things. But what I'm saying is that even that, whatever's happening now is not guaranteed long-term until, until the community decides like where this, uh how the uh you know like is it gonna be like the burn thing is that gonna go on for like a year and a half and then it goes back to some sort of inflationary reward system or whatever i'm not sure um how that's gonna play out so yeah there's a lot of unknowns this is what's weird about luna classic is, is like 
you're seeing changes happen because of things like there are choices that are being made because um, of the weird circumstances behind the, you know, how Luna Classic emerged, right? Like of what happened to the crash of uh, Luna UST and USTC and all that other business. So you're, 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 this is none of this stuff was like pre-planned in this way. Like everyone's just reacting to sort of like what was a, basically a crisis and kind of a mess in the tokenomics. So when you're getting into Luna Classic, you just have to realize you're getting into a system that was not specifically like there's no like specific plan. There's no like roadmap that's 100% anything. Um, there's still confusion about how difficult it might be to re-enable IBC and other things. So I'm not just trying to FUD the thing. I'm just trying to just give you the the, the lay of the land here. Um, it's not a, uh, th there's a lot of reasons why um, like when you're buying Luna Classic, you are truly speculating. <laughs> like you're speculating a lot of things happening correctly. Whereas if you buy, a, say, for example, a Juno or, or something like that or a Luna 2, these are already fully functioning um, and uh, don't require any immediate work. So and I think that's fine. Like the as long as you're aware that like people are working on it, uh, there are guys that there are guys in the um, Luna Classic ecosystem like Terra Rebels. And I think uh, Demon Monkey here kind of liaises with some people, um, you know, like there's plenty of people working to try to create a cool system. Um, but never, never imagine that anything is guaranteed in that, like, uh, including the, the exact yield parameters, all that can change over time. Awesome. Uh, no, you know exactly. I'm heading yeah. off. Sorry, guys. I'm just heading off. I've got a gym cool. date. So, uh, yeah, cool, brother. Yep, catch you yeah. later. Um, I'm going as well. Thanks for the chat. It was very nice uh, to talk. I'll be sure to tune in tomorrow as well. And nice. have a good evening, boys. Bye. Yeah, thanks for being here. I sent all that info over to you, Sophie. Um, so Edward is the guy who wrote the code with Tobias uh, Zayudar um, for the 1.2% tax burn. He also wrote the code for B21, B22 merge of the staking and delegation. Vegas Morph is, <clears throat> excuse me, he's the guy who actually came up and put the proposal forward for the 1.2% tax burn. He's also the guy that's been in contact with uh, Binance and all the other exchanges um, to implement the 1.2% tax burn and stuff. So I sent you all their infos, their Twitter spaces and all that good shit. Cool. Actually, I'm copying the links you sent me so I can send them to her now uh, while we're talking just to get it out of the way. Because I know I'm going to forget later. <laughs> yeah, those are the dudes. And then to come up with the rewards so Edward can answer what uh, TR is actually working on right now to get more rewards for the validators and all that good shit. And then how to, um, they're working out plans how to fund the Oracle pool and um, the community pool and how to allocate some of that shit towards new utilities and all that good stuff. Mm. Let me kind of get. Uh... Let me just message her real quick. Um, and she can look up. I mean, Dr. Edward Kim, he, he's, dude, this guy's highly intelligent. You know, he's a professor, um, got his doctorate in computer sciences and works in AI and all that good shit. Um, highly intelligent. She can read the article that he uh, co-authored with uh, uh, Alex. Um, he's a really great dude. He's he loves doing AMA, so he'll definitely be on the show, and he can help um, explain what's going on in the kind of the background, so to say, what they're working on, proposals that they're 
going to be putting forward the roadmap that they're looking at for uh, Luna Classic, um, all the questions that just came up that you were just kind of, you know, putting out there. They have roadmaps for those. They have plans to put forward for proposals, how to fund all of those things. Um, and then kind of like the whole trying to get USTC, um, I'll go back and all that good shit because that's what really funded that Oracle pool. I mean, especially during the drop. I've got, a, I've got a question for you besides the, uh, the, the some of these obvious things like the technical things that need to be fixed. What was the driving force between Kim uh taking on this initiative among other things he just he did he figure well i could buy the coin and if i start building on it people buy it and like i'll I'd be able to recoup you know doing that or like what like it was his more of a financial incentive to some extent I, I guess there would be but like what is his um like from what you gather from the guy like what is his um like what is his intent or what's what's the point well, he's so he's like 100% transparent and he'll tell everybody. So he is actually one of the old Luna Classic holders. Um, he got into Luna Classic. He thought that it was a pretty interesting uh, blockchain, what they were trying to do with the Algo stablecoin and all that good stuff. And then it kind of crashed and he was a little upset, but you have to understand his background. You know, it's in computer sciences and all AI, and he was trying to kind of implement. Um, his knowledge, his field into the blockchain. Um, and then Luna Classic crash happened and he was just going around in these different groups, you know, and Algora and all these different groups. And he started seeing the community just jumping forward and trying to come up with all of these solutions to try to get the blockchain, not actually letting it die. And once he saw that, you know, he kind of saw it as a challenge. He's like, well, you know, I can help out with this, with the knowledge I have. Um, and Zadar, um, Tobias, same thing. You know, he's he's been a coder for over 30 years. But they've been they've been coding on Cosmos for a while now or on Terra Original or like, like no, why did so they choose this? Just because of the, they saw it as a challenge. They saw something great that fell and if the community hadn't backed it the way they did, it, you know, they probably wouldn't have, but they just saw this huge community drive to bring this thing back to life. So they kind of got together and they were seeing all these ideas that were coming forward. And Edward, you know, in his own mind, he was already kind of, because it's his field, you know, of trying to fix stuff. And, and he was kind of coming up with ideas and how this would be fixed. And he started seeing the other people's ideas that were kind of close to his. So they started reaching out and then they're like, you know what, maybe let's try to help this uh, this community and this chain get back to life. Um, and then to a sense, you know, they're big nerds and they see something that needs to be fixed. Of course, you know, in their field, they're gonna try to fix it, you know, especially when people are saying, oh, this is an impossibility. You know, there's no way to bring this back to life. and as a man and then as a man in your field, you know, they're like, um, you know what, I'll accept that damn challenge. And that's kind of the way they seen it. Um, it's not really monetary wise. I mean, Ed, you know, you can see he's posted all of his details. He's stated how much he's staked with all the stakers because they really believed in the staking and delegation portion first. Um, but 
most of them were actual bag holders of Luna Terra before it crashed. And they're not really doing it monetary wise. You can see multiple posts. Everybody who's trying to give money to Edward Kemp, he keeps telling them, I don't want the money. That's not why I'm yeah, doing I, it. I would clarify that um, I would clarify that like if you had any Luna Classic because you had the original Luna, you got very, very tiny amounts of it, right? It's like like minuscule amounts. For anyone who was in the original Luna chain who for whatever reason believed in Luna Classic. To made any money, you'd have to have had a whole new investment, uh, just to be clear for people. I don't know if uh, a lot of people understand that. Yeah, I mean, I got my original Luna that switched over. I had a little over like 3,000 coins, you know, nothing really big. But, I mean, I bought in low and then kind of bought in a little higher. I'm glad I didn't buy in at like 118 or 80 bucks. But I had a little substantial little bag going. And whenever they switched that over, it's like, okay, great. I mean... I got, you know, 3,000 Luna Classics. That's sweet, you know, but it was worth pennies. I mean, literally, I mean, not even pennies. Um, but yeah, so they, they kind of just saw it as a challenge, you know, um, because it's the fields that they work in. And it's kind of like, you know, a doctor or anybody in the medical field. When you see somebody hurt on the side of the road, it's like an instinct for you to run over there and try to help them. You know, because it's always been like a life calling for people um, to do that, depending on which field you're in. Um, you can see chefs, you know, they're trying to feed people all the time. They see someone hungry, they go and give them food. It's, it's tricky, um, though, when people are falling down, right? There's people that are also going to be uh, like there to scam you, too. So it's always a tricky thing to figure out who's like altruistic and who's just like monkey around, you know, in the crypto space trying to rip people off. It's, it's, it's difficult for the small guy to really understand which is which. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Chugga brought that up yesterday um, a couple of times in the, some of the AMAs I hosted and other ones that I uh, was in. Um, absolutely. And that's why, you know, I tell people all the time, do your own research. Actually, you know, you need to dox all the people that are involved in that project, every single one of them. Um, and then kind of just do your research on the project itself before you invest. You know, I push, you guys know, I push Luna Classic a lot. And it's just a chain that I really believed in. And then I started talking to all these people and I kind of just got into the mix with them and was like, you know what, I can help out with this. Um, you know, that's kind of what I do with in real life with, you know, with my businesses that I own. Um, I'm kind of stepped back. I just sign off on shit. But whenever a deal needs to be put through, I'm, I'm the sales guy. I go to, you know, I'm part of the marketing team of it and other people are running it, but that's what I do. I connect people. Um, and that's what I decided to doing. I was like, you know what? I can help out. I can get in contact with these exchanges. I can get in contact with new utilities coming online, um, point them in the right direction with, uh, who they need to talk to on the teams like you just did, you know, um, for this lady. The best people for her to have on her show would be Vegas Morph because he's the one that came up with the proposal so he can give his reasonings why um, he wanted yeah, she, to she implement. Did, I think CryptoCito have the better like YouTube channels regarding crypto. I'm sorry, with uh, regarding Cosmos. And they've also been around a long time. So they have a good sense of the history of things. But they don't necessarily know every nuance of every chain, right? So they're, they're, she's just kind of learning as she goes as well when she's trying to report on it sort of. But uh, hey, uh, Ukraine and then and then Bear, uh, you got some comments? 
Hi, uh, hi, Demon. Uh, I enjoyed uh, your arguments with David uh, last time, uh, and I love the sirens and the police uh, coming by. Uh, I got a question for you. Let's say I'm just this uh, young kid, uh, uh, let's say 20, 21, and thinking crypto is a gambling site. Um, what will you tell me? And this is not financial advice. What will you tell me? Um, hey, uh, invest in Luna. And why would I invest in Luna? What would you say? Well, I would tell you that you're 100% correct that even crypto, crypto as a whole, the cryptoverse, what I like to call it, it is a gamble. Um, so it doesn't matter which coin that you invest in. It is a gamble because, you know, the entire crypto market could crash and go away, you know, in next month. I mean, realistically, um, it hasn't been mainstream adopted. Do I believe it will be? Absolutely. Um, but it could go away for a few years and then come back, you know, five or five years from now and actually be a fourth uh, force to be reckoned with. So any coin, anything that you invest in, I, I don't care what it is. It can be the king, you know, Bitcoin. And then you go down to all the altcoins um, that come into play. Every single one of them is a gamble. So you always have to take everything anybody says with a grain of salt. Do I push for Luna Classic? Yeah, because I saw what it was capable. You know, I, I was in Luna before it crashed and, you know, I love the blockchain. Now, there's multiple other blockchains I talk about all the time that I also believe in. Um, and I tell people, you know, to research them and do their own due diligence on them. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't necessarily tell everybody to directly, you know, invest their their savings or anything into um, crypto. I always tell people, hey, just if you're if you want to gamble, then throw in the money that you're willing to just throw away. You know, if you go to the bar every week and spend two hundred dollars at the bar, why not go not go this week um, and take that two hundred dollars and invest it in crypto? Because at least you have a chance of getting something out of it. Um, you might lose it all. The same way you just drank it all away. Yeah, but or, the bar might get you laid, though, right? Whereas we know crypto people are just like sitting in their, you know, basement. Well, it, that's a that's a gamble <laughs> though too. I mean, <laughs> depends on how you put it. So anybody that's uh, twenty years old getting into crypto, um, for one, if I it's not financial advice, but I would tell them to learn everything they can about crypto. I mean, every aspect of it. Um, but even before getting into crypto, you need to learn how markets work. So study the stock market, um, study, you know, everything about it, how investing in those things, um, how yields are formed, you know, how how it all works, you know, and then stay away from futures trading um, for at least five years um, if you ever decide to get into it. Um, but just study your ass off. And I, I would recommend studying your ass off for six months before ever putting a single penny into the crypto market or the stock market in that matter. And then once yeah, you've done your fun. research, then start getting into crypto. And then I would let everybody know, don't just invest in, I'm not just invested in Luna Classic. I'm invested in, I don't, I don't even know anymore, at least 40 different coins and tokens. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, something to consider, too, is like um, if you're going to use leverage, for example, um, if you're using like 2x leverage, that presumes to some extent that you are two times more capable than the next guy of, you know, predicting the future. Or 
if you use a small amount of um, on leverage, you're using it because you want to hedge a position in another direction. So that you want to take a small amount of money and uh, and, and hedge, assuming that the price of something is going to go the other way. So there's some different tactics people can use. Um, it's almost like buying an insurance policy in some ways. But yeah, different leverage and different futures positions um, have utility in the financial world. But I wouldn't recommend using them as some kind of like, you know, purely gambling tool, which a lot of people do. You might end up wasting more of your money than you actually make any unless you're really, really, um, I would say, just largely very, very lucky. Um, uh, but that's the thing, Seppi. That's the thing. What's I'm, uh, what I'm asking is, uh, you know, I got I told you guys last time I got a lot of restaurants. So I'm dealing with a lot of kids uh, from 18 till 22, uh, women and uh, uh, girls and uh, boys. And they see crypto as a, a gambling side. We got all these casinos, you know. Uh, if you if you put your money in a gambling machine, uh, it has to pay a certain amount every year to pay you back. So they think crypto is a is a gambling thing. So my question is actually, um, how can we teach these young guys? Because we need them in crypto. We do. It's the truth. How can we teach these guys as a donkey style uh, course to invest in crypto and do it safe? Thank you. Well, I think um, a reasonable uh, thing to get an understanding of first is um, a decent, like it's always been a decent book is um, Bitcoin Standard's pretty good. I think it's good generally because it provides an overview of what the point of cryptography related currency actually is. Um, certain principles such as security, uh, scalability, speed, immutability. Um, there's a lot of uh, you know, uh, and, and also trust and trustless networks. So when you understand a variety of these like base principles, then you can uh, analyze any, any kind of cryptocurrency along the lines of these different principles. You have sort of like some benchmarks. Is this chain designed to be fast? Is it designed to be like, for example, Solana? Is it designed to be secure? Um, is it designed to be scalable? Um, and, and how does it do each of these things like uh what trade-offs did you have to have to get higher speed what trade-offs did you have to achieve higher scalability um like centralization decentralization is another set of trade-offs right like what trade-offs does a specific chain have to have in order to be decentralized does it sacrifice speed does it sacrifice scalability what right so without some fundamental understanding about how like network systems work you wind up with no real like basis for judging these things, especially if you're not in the computer world in the first place. If you understand like computer networks, for example, I think this stuff is going to come easier to you. Um, I, I think if you have no idea how a computer works, um, I think you're going to have a substantial, a substantially harder time understanding the nuances of all this stuff, right? So people that are tech savvy to begin with, I think will take it up quicker um, and become more early adopters. Whereas what you're talking about, like random people showing up at a restaurant, you know uh that uh may not have a whole lot of like maybe even educational backing to understand um i've talked to a lot of people that really just have uh like they don't have the base level of um understanding to sort of even know what i'm talking about to even speak the language of it so to say that i'm going to be able to reliably teach them the nuances of this we're talking about like seminars worth of time like days and days and days of really getting into the details Mm, and the reality is like most people are not going to sit around, you know, lecture and 
like get all these topics covered. So I think it's, it is a fantasy to assume that all people are going to know everything they need to know to be, say, for example, great investors or whatever. Um, so I think a lot of us, we invest based on what we think our depth of knowledge on that subject is or what, how deeply we believe in a particular project. Um, this is true whether you're a developer and building on a chain, right? You have to trust that that chain is useful, that it's going to be good over the long term. And even a developer can get burned, right? So if you were on Terra, Terra originally, and a lot of money, developer money, went into building on the chain, right? So the disaster actually affected developers badly, right? their livelihood and everything else is affected. It wasn't just consumers. It was people that spent years building cool shit to basically be successful, to bring UST to the masses, to bring the ability to have sovereign stable coins and everything. So the vision was really, really uh, like exciting uh, and uh, meaningful enough to where it attracted lots and lots of developers, a huge portion of capital from different hedge funds and whatever. So even the smart money was wanting to make it work. And when it didn't work, obviously, um, you know, uh, that's when you get really max pain. If you think about it, like Galaxy Digital, right, who's pretty good crypto OG, they're not the kid that shows up at your restaurant. Even they bought Luna and um, they didn't fully predict the timing and the, the magnitude of a, a crash, for example. Three Arrows Capital was, you know, uh, supposedly the smartest guys in the room and they got um, wrecked as well. So a lot of different um, exchanges and a lot of different um, sort of like crypto people who um, felt like this was a potentially credible way to get to a decentralized stablecoin also got wrecked, right? So it's like when you say it's gambling, the way I look at it is like all stocks, um, all investments are gambling, um, including real estate, including whatever, especially when it comes to timing. Like you might have, for example, like my parents bought like serious amounts of real estate in a certain area back in the 80s and then the real estate market crashed big time i think they were underwater like 70 percent, right so they did really badly with that um they weren't able to pay the mortgage because like they didn't have enough tenants that would pay so that they could cover the cost of the buildings that they bought things like that right so like there's no scenario in investing in business that's risk-free like any entrepreneur any buyer of crypto um, so if, if a kid or a you know, random person's wanting to buy crypto, the first question you, you would want to know is like, what do you want this for? Do you want it to buy food at my restaurant? Do you want it to, um, are you trying to, you know, change the world with some new financial system? Are you trying to invest? Like, what's your, what's your point of why you're here? And, um, I think a lot of people, the simple answer is I just want number to go up and I want to make money. So if, if that's what they want, like there's lots of different options for that, right? But there's options all over the financial world that you can invest in. So um, not just crypto, but um, but uh, anyway, yeah, there's, there's a lot to that question. It's like, um, what do you tell a new person is a very, um, it's kind of a loaded question in many ways. It's, it's a difficult question to answer in any short form answer. Yeah, but you answered that perfectly, Sefi. The main... The main word that you used, it's all a gamble. No matter what field, when you're taking money and you're putting it somewhere to try to get more money from that money is a gamble, no matter where you're at. Now you can go yeah, to Vegas. As opposed, as opposed to going to a job and getting paid a specific amount. Exactly. Right? But that's even a gamble. I mean, there's people that work you know, for a company for 20 years or close to 20 years and they, you know, they were trying to get their retirement and all that good shit. We're paying into the 401k and then you know, they get fired or laid off after 18 years and now they're not getting that severance. They're not getting out. So they just gambled with that job. Right. Right. You know, so every aspect of that is a gamble. And that's the important thing to teach these children. 
you know, you can never teach them that investment isn't a gamble. They're, it's yeah, all a gamble. Why, this is why, like, some of the fundamental, like, language of crypto, like trust versus trustless, central versus decentralized, security, um, speed, and scalability, all of these kinds of uh, features um, are what make crypto special as opposed to sort of buying something else. These are the things people care about. These are the reasons why um, systems are built the way they are. And I think if people, if like through examples, uh, you, you can get to um, like examples and analogies, you can explain each of these things uh, to where people can understand like why it is you can't make something hyper speed, but also get like max scalability or maybe max security, but whatever, right? There's always these trade-offs. And understanding these like dynamic systems um, a lot of people find it difficult. Like a lot of people, you know, like a significant portion of the human race, like some only like 30% really have really strong abstracting ability. So when you get into discussions and teaching this sort of thing, um, you end up having to provide examples that are much like really, really simple to try to get across the max number of people. What, what the hell we're even talking about, right? Like a lot of people don't even know the the pluses and minuses of their cell phone or whatever, right? They don't, like they don't want to know even like this is true of medical too, for example, like, like if you're not a doctor or something, how much do you really want to know about medicine? Right. You, you know, like you only want to know so much. Um, and that's fine too. Like it's not necessary for everyone that's going to get into crypto to have to understand every nuance of the fucking thing. Right. Like some people just want to like um, buy some food at your restaurant. They don't give a flying fuck like where the money comes from or like what it does. They just want a pizza. Right. Like, so like, that's fine too. There's nothing wrong with those people. Um, not everyone has to understand how everything works. And I think, but at the same time, if people are going to be investors and put a lot of money into something, their research probably needs to be a little bit more in depth versus if they just want to use cryptocurrency to buy a pizza, then maybe it doesn't have to be quite as in depth. Right. So it just depends on your goal, but, uh, Bob and then, or, or Jared Bear and then Bob, go ahead. Uh, totally not crypto related. Uh, has everyone seen the new Star Wars, the the Clone Wars trailer or whatever? Any Star Wars fans in here? Shit's fucking lit. If you guys aren't excited for Star Wars, oh, there's, a new, there's a new Mandalorian trailer that looks pretty good. Um, the, have you watched Star Wars, the Clone Wars at all, though, Sethi? Uh, you're talking about the, the cartoon series? Yeah. The animated series? Yeah, I've seen parts of it. Uh, it just goes on and on and on, though, so it's like kind of whatever but like <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge 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 fan of that i've watched like pretty much all of it in my opinion best star wars content out there like better than anything that's out and probably will be like it's just written so well yeah a lot uh, of people love it yeah so there's a movie like a like an on-screen movie or or what so yeah. there's the one this no it's um it's called tales of something it's essentially like a mini series um, and it's going to revolve around Count Dooku before he was like a Sith. And when he was teaching Qui-Gon Jinn, uh, there's like a couple about, I guess, Ahsoka after uh, after like the events of Revenge of the Sith. And there's like a few other. It's, it seems very, very interesting. Um, I, I think it's like a Yeah, you, you, prob- you probably want to check out the Mandalorian trailer, too. That looks really good. Oh, I already saw it. I'm, I'm like a huge, I'm a huge Star okay. Wars fan. Um, and my second, uh, my second comment, I guess, just for everyone in here, um, regarding, uh, I can't remember who asked this, but just like I guess finding the good people and like uh, finding the bad people in this space and like being aware of them. Uh, there's someone that actually and like making sure people don't take advantage of you. There's actually someone who's been in this space before that I've talked to. I'm not going to say any names, 
Um, and I was talking to them one day in a different space, telling them how, you know, one of the, I guess, things I want to start getting into is being like a DeFi advisor and helping people invest in crypto and so on and so forth, um, because I'm very knowledgeable in that space. Um, and the guy really liked what I had to say. He's like, that's great. That's amazing. Da, da, da. He's like, you know, you sound like a very, very intelligent person. Um, I'd like to have you be like my research assistant. And I'm like, oh, that's great. That's awesome. And I'm like, what do you want to pay me? Like, you know, and he's like, oh, I wouldn't pay you anything. Like, it'd just be for free. Like, but you would just like research anything I want you to research and this and that. And it's like, I guess you got to, for me, at least that was a huge red flag. It's like, okay, you have to value your time and know your worth. And like people like that, it's like, I would recommend you stay away from them. It's well, like, I mean, you can, you can have like a little, like, say, for example, a discord club or something where a team of people sort of research things and like look for stuff to buy. That's pretty common, but it's, it's a different thing. If like the guy offers you nothing and you're like supposed to give him a bunch of free alpha or something. Exactly. Although, no, that's, that's what he I spend a whole lot of time on spaces giving away free fucking alpha right here. So like, like I don't know. Yeah. You do it. For I'll double that guy's <laughs> offer. I'll double it. <laughs> One dollar. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he was telling me though, he's like, yeah, like I'd love to have you as like my research is interesting. And personally, I'm very knowledgeable in the space. I know a lot about a lot of different things in cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. And it's like, I value my time and I know my worth. And I know that I'm definitely not doing something like that for free. That's for sure. So I guess for everyone in here that's listening, um, yeah, know your worth and uh, be very cautious of certain people in the space because there are people who are going to try to fuck you over and you don't want to get fucked over. So it's just a, uh, yeah, I guess words of wisdom for everyone here that's listening. Rug em. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, I mean, I think sometimes people don't realize, like, they, they want to find some someone online that can help them, but they don't realize that what they're asking, like, how much time it takes to do it, you know. So sometimes people just that ask questions just, like, aren't that right about this? So, like, he might have had, like, benign intentions, but doesn't realize how much time it takes to do what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. If you're like, hey, you know, read this white paper for X project. It's like, okay, you're asking me to read like a 200 page white paper. That's very complex. Like, what the fuck, dude? And you're going to pay me zero dollars for it. And you want like all my insights and everything. Like that could take me probably over like 10 hours if you want like a good report. And it's like, but you want to yeah, give me nothing for it? Like, you're going to be a little, a little researcher or whatever, like a little Masari for him. Exactly. Like the, the simpler thing is to just get a subscription to Masari or something like that, or to uh, whoever, right? Or De Delphi Digital's uh, little paper. They do one. Yeah, something like that. Or even just like fucking subscribe to the Daily Ape, bro. Go on their Telegram channel. Like, come on. Darren Lau does that stuff for free. That's what I would do. Yeah. Anyway, Bob, did you have a point, question about anything? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, shoot. Go ahead. Uh, you're kind of quiet there. First off, I'd like to say uh, free Coach Bruce. Um, you know, definitely let me know if he needs a pen pile. I'll definitely send him some letters, some pin up photos and whatnot. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. But um, on a serious question, so I'm not 100% knowledgeable in the crypto space um, as far as all of the conversations that go on. But I was in another um, spaces room today and it might still be going on. Um, there's always a lot of familiar faces in there now since I started listening. But um, 
to what I was listening to, they did bring up Lunik as a topic, and one of the things that was stated um, from somebody that was, you know, uh, essentially saying that Lunik won't work is that Doquan or TFL, I guess as a whole, hasn't yet handed over or hasn't handed over the keys to uh, Luna Classic and won't hand over the keys. So that was one of the reasons, amongst other things. That yeah. Uh, and you've got a, quite a bit of echo back there. So maybe mute for a second. So, um, yeah, this issue of like who controls the blockchain, um, ultimately it could probably be handed over to like the validator network or some other system. Um, so there's ways to get it to work. Um, but uh, it's not like Doe or whoever TFL is just simply going to say, here, here's the keys to this network you know, that currently has like, I don't know, over a billion dollars of market cap in it, right? So there, the chain of custody of how you move that um, to a, somebody's hands is a very tricky thing. And almost no matter what they do, they're probably going to receive criticism, right? Because anytime you have a large amount of money and there's trust involved, you're going to have concerns. So I think it's a matter of like working something out, like figuring out who can in fact be be trusted with that. And I think the community itself is going to have a hard time knowing for sure who that's going to be. And um, people that are like reasonably credibly neutral, um, you know, who can make sure that like the um, the system is not abused, that's going to be the trick. And I think um, we just don't know what that is yet and how that's going to take place as far as I'm that I've heard. It's going down the validators route. Yeah, I suspect it will be. That's what Jacob was saying with, with uh, Notional. Yeah. That's that's the way that TR is kind of looking at it, too. And we have our own Terra Station wallet, um, the desktop version of that. Um, the only parts that haven't been launched yet were, are the apps. Um, we actually haven't launched the desktop version, but it's already built. We could launch it, you know, in right now. We could activate it um, just in case. They, Edward and them, they built it. Uh, just as a backup, if uh, TFL wasn't planning on merging the pull requests for V21, V22, and all that good shit, um, and then they're going down the validator route um, just to kind of bypass those keys. Yeah, good answer. Uh, yeah, when there's a will, there's a way, obviously, but it has to be done in a certain manner. And, um, like, there's no point in spreading too much FUD about it until uh someone decides either way like if there is a person that has concerns right they should participate more in the community so if like it's one thing to show on show up on spaces and just like like argue repeatedly like some people do <laughs> like and there's another thing to actually go and do something about it and um and i think the key is like if that's the whole point of community it's not like just uh you can participate in different ways you can participate in education you can participate in uh like actually coding things or you can just be on committees and such that um, are involved with voting for different parameters, even if you don't know the first thing about coding. It, a lot of it has to do, comes around with like time and you're willing to sort of like invest the time to understand what the hell's going on and what the possible solutions are. Um, and uh, that's a, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's a very time consuming thing to do. But Bob, go ahead. I don't know if I still have the echo or not. Can you, does it sound bad still? You, you're a bit better, yeah, you're better. 
Okay. Hey, so um, one last um, statement off of what Demon Monkey just said, and again, I'm still learning, you know, what's going on with this whole space in general. But to that statement he said about um, just going down the validator's route, one thing that I did hear, and I guess I kind of take the statement that I heard as FUD, not from you, Demon, but from the response, potentially, um, is that the validators that we currently have, and granted, I know new validators will be brought on in, I think, about 45 days, but the validators that we currently have are still from the old school um, squad, and I use air quotes when I say that, but... Um, I guess the point was that the intentions, granted, we can look at their votes, but we still don't know. I guess the statement was who's who um, when it comes to, you know, the pre-existing validators. Yeah, yeah I'm, but- I'm with you, Bob. Uh, my my so my concern initially when this like uh, Genesis Luna chain happened and like Luna became Luna Classic, my initial concern was exactly that. It's like you have a group of validators that came on for one purpose. Uh, and then now you have a group of validators who like, you know, are they, are their interests aligned with the vision or mission of whatever new community there is. And the thing about Luna Classic is you have two problems. Right now you have a group of validators that you're not sure about because you're not sure what their vision is. But on simultaneously, you also have a group of new users who are not sure what their vision is exactly besides like, obviously a lot of people, it's like number go up. That's great. Right. But there's a lot of people that uh, both sides of the coin. So it's, it's the way I would look at this is like, it's a, it's a evolving thing. The community is evolving. The validators are deciding what to do. The people like Terra rebels are trying to like create some strategy to make this all work. And it's just one big, like, um you know like fluid project at this point and from like bob like i think what's you're learning a lot quickly in this particular uh chain because you see like a lot of the different issues that emerge in blockchains um so one thing for luna classic holders if they're learning a lot like if anything you like people have like at least uh learned a lot about the nuances of crypto and proof of stake networks that they might not have otherwise learned had not been for this event. I know I've learned a lot as a result of all of this and and I've learned a lot about governance and a lot of other shit, right? So think of it as a learning experience, but I wouldn't necessarily say, okay, like put your life savings in the thing and like, you know, pray. You should have like, it's good to have a diversity of different things you're involved with just because that improves the diversity of like knowledge you're achieving from getting there. So like one of the things for crypto is I think it's it's a educational experience it's like almost like paying for college like you, you you maybe you'll lose some money maybe you'll gain some but at the end of the day like um you will learn a lot along the way and um the, the more variety of things you're involved with the more you'll pick up right so you'll pick up something from someone like me you'll pick up some from some fudders like everyone has a point that uh can be useful and uh e- even the fudders you should pay attention to them like and say wait is like is that just nonsense or is it like true fud like Right there, there's real FUD, and then there's like you know fake FUD, um, and and you have to just under, start understanding the difference between the two, and then like ask the questions, and then you know see what some of the experts are saying. Yeah, absolutely. I came from a um, I came from a forex background, so I still trade forex uh, daily. But part of the way I learned was by repetitive information but from different sources. So I like multiple perspectives just to kind of see who's, you know, everything that you just stated. So that's how I learned. Yeah, and I know yeah. the guy that you're getting that info from. Um, I like to call him the 10th man, kind of from uh, World War Z. 
um, that when everybody else decides to agree on something, the 10th man takes the opposite, you know, uh, standpoint. You know, the points he brings up are good points, but I hate when people say all oh, these validators are, you know, from old Luna. You know, 99% of those guys, they had not, they had, they didn't have anything to do with this DPEG. They were just validators on a blockchain that ended up crashing. You know, they most all of them haven't and shown actually, any kind of malicious intent. It wasn't the right. chain that crashed. It was the actual the, the actual the algo. Model. Yeah. Um, so if you and most of these validators, you know, I talk to them all the damn time. You know, I promote a lot of them just because I've been on the phone with them for hours and they're doing <clears throat> what they're supposed to do for Lunar Classic. Um, they're following the community's will. Are there a not, few of them that... Not to mention, they lost a shit ton of money, too. Oh, yeah. So there are a few of them that haven't wanted to vote with the community. Um but even then, you got to understand when the votings were happening, it's not like they voted no with veto. Um, they were just neutral and they were letting their delegations, their delegates vote the way they wanted to vote um, in the proposals. And then they would just follow suit with the with what their stakers were going with. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot of those validators right now that were from old Luna. But I hate when people make that argument because it makes no sense to me. It's like, okay, if all of those validators were showing malicious intent the entire time through this, okay, then I can get that point of view. But they haven't. They're just validators. They're normal. They're people like me and you. That's, you know, they were people like uh, Lunkdal and I, you know, that were part of Terra uh, Luna before the crash. So am I a malicious uh, actor in Luna Classic? No. Um, Lunkdow was a validator before um, this happened. Now he's a validator for Luna Classic also. So yeah, is but, he a, but a legitimate, at the same time, Bob, a legitimate worry is the ability for all of the validators to sort of come together and vote for a very specific thing or control the keys to the system. So, yeah, there are some layers to this that, we're, that are unproven, right? So there's rational FUD out there. That's fine. And I think the key for anybody that promotes FUD, like, it's fine, but you should also, like, counterbalance those comments with things like what could be possibly done to remedy those situations, right? So it's one thing to say, well, it's like the sky is falling and whatnot, but the, it's also interesting to hear from those people that have FUD but, and they have serious concerns, but like they have some sort of roadmap that in their mind that maybe some ideas that could, that could uh, be implemented that um, avoid some of those very things that they're talking about. What's annoying in crypto is just like people that just like, you know, like the reply guys who just say some stupid shit, but they don't know anything, right? Like that's that's always uh, interesting. So they're not particularly convincing. And then on top of that, they just, you know, uh, make people panic for different reasons. There's also another element to this too, is like, you have to be aware that like, um, so if you look at how Twitter spaces, for example, works, it's pretty easy to walk in and say something really, really good or really, really bad about something. So it's not like some of those people might actually have like an open short position, like a five X short running. And they're like, let's find, let's see if I can go out there and find enough shit to say bad that I can make this price go down and make money. So you have to be a little bit careful about people's motives as well. Anyway. And you start, you get a little bit more concerned about motives when people don't have a balanced view of what they say. Like if they can't tell you both the pros and cons of some project or something like, for example, even at the height of TFL and at the height of my concern, like has always been like, oh, it's pretty damn centralized. Like, like, let's not let's not delude ourselves. Like it was clearly very centralized. We talked about it a lot. 
you know, we talked about the possibility of DPEG a lot and what kind of things it might take for that to occur. And none of us are really sure, was it actually, you know, like financially feasible to make it happen or was it too big to fail or was it, you know, robust enough and all those kind of questions. And um, now, of course, we know that uh, it wasn't too big to fail and, and it had uh, problems. But if you were hanging out in spaces with Terra, um, yeah, like many times uh, our comments were steeped in caveats, like if this succeeds and if that happens and blah, blah, blah. Right. And, and um, so, it, it, so it, it's not uncommon that uh, when you have a long form conversation, you'll, ha you're, you'll hear a lot more pros and cons. Whereas when you watch tweets, it seems like, oh, that person's just a shiller or a fudder. Um, it, it's like tweets don't do a really good job of, um, like, you know, handling nuance and everything. And then who the fuck has time to like, write like a, you know, 20 page thread or whatever. Right. So, like, <laughs> so it gets to be like somewhat, um, it's, it's not a great educational experience just reading people's tweets usually. No, I appreciate that. And, um, like I said, let me know what type of photos coach Bruce likes and I'll send them over his way. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> his, his time in Twitter jail, you're going to like help him out. Send him some pinups. <laughs> yeah, we need a Sparagoid's account to be freed. So be sure to, you know, message Twitter support or some shit that like, you know, like at Asparagoid needs to be freed. Um, yeah, he got uh, like banned for using the word gimp against some guy that was making like, like um, comments against like, yeah, some dude that was like ranting and talking nonsense to Lucas about and making all sorts of comments like faggot and this and that. And he kind of like went off on him by calling him a gimp or something like that. And uh, next thing you know, Twitter bans him. So um, yeah, it's kind of, it's stupid stuff. Yeah. The, uh, the thing to know is that in the UK, the word gimp, uh, which by the way, Twitter bots who are listening to this, I'm using this as a quote. I'm not actually using the word myself. Uh, it, what it means is someone who's very stupid or silly. Um, or it's like a, like a, you know, Pulp Fiction, you've, you saw the post, you saw the post. It's the guy in the, in the gimp mask. Like apparently there's another meaning in America that we don't, I genuinely had no, uh, understanding of, and neither did Asparagoid when he posted that thing. And by the way, of all the things for him to get banned for, uh, like not the male to female to male or female to male to female, uh, witch stuff or, you know, any of the stuff we pretended to be uh a afghani guy like a gay afghanistani man trying to leave uh the rule of the taliban like all that stuff like this was the thing that got him that's just like really really odd so anyway um we uh we need him back and uh it's, yeah. it's imperative that he that he rejoins t twitter and and ideally we don't have like for example one strategy would be oh well just create a new account and say oh this is me and turbo level it using LunkDAO. but then that's kind of not really what you should do because then they might ban LunkDAO, you know. So it's like, all right, well, what are we doing here? We've got to we've got to try and go the right way about things and message people and Twitter and harass them, harass Twitter employees to try and unblock his account. <laughs> of course, now that you've advocated for that for over here, you're going to get banned. So that's how that works. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, there's like it's hard to uh, it's hard to say anything. But yeah, like Bruce is obviously super super funny. Um, and, uh, his, his tweets are always like mischievous and mysterious shit and a whole lot of fun. And, um, to, to, to get banned for this stupid nonsense is just really, really irritating, especially on like, this is, this is the reason why like Elon, Elon was, uh, so, um, like upset about Twitter and like the kind of bullshit that goes on, right? Like the amount of, you know, uh, uh, uh 
like attempts to censor people um, for like things that are relatively innocuous. And then like the inability for Twitter to censor stuff that's actually really, really wicked um, is the funny part. Like it's like the, the, the uneven hand of censorship is um, quite fascinating around here. But yeah, we need decentralized Twitter. Yeah. You know, the, the, the thing is though, like with no, no control whatsoever, like you have these crazy, like you, you wind up with way too much noise in the system and not enough signal. So I don't know. It's, there's some balance point, obviously. Otherwise, the, the platform becomes sort of unusable. But at the same time, yeah, like the decentralized version will at least give you something that can't get shut down. But like probably the thing to do is go back to the old days of like IRC chat, like Internet Relay chat. And like it's pretty much unstoppable. Like there's nothing you can do about it. Like we used to do that when we were playing video games all the time back in the like late 90s and stuff like that. And everyone would have like IRC running in the background or like maybe a second computer or a window that has it. And they would uh, have that running on one side and they'd be playing like MMO games and stuff like that on the other screen so that like you could keep up with a group chat better than you could like within um, like the game itself, which was like on EverQuest and games like that. And uh, IRC chat's really good and relatively private. The problem is like building a network of people that are willing to use an alternative platform is really difficult, like you guys have mentioned. And uh, like, it's really, really hard to sort of keep momentum going when you're on two different platforms. It's pretty frustrating. So anyway. What Coach did though, and that is so harmless, whenever that whole pro-choice shit came out, pro-life um, from the Supreme Court, I mean, I was reading posts from people. I mean, talent, I mean, I hope you fucking die. I hope, you know, all this crazy shit that they're writing into these tweets. And they never got banned, never anything. And it's like, you guys are like literally wishing harm on people, wishing that their children get raped and, you know, murdered literally in these posts and nobody got banned. And then he calls somebody a gimp, which in the United States, you know, has a couple different meanings, you know, um, but we it's usually also, use it as somebody that's kind of disabled. It also depends on who's trying to like uh, report you for some reason. So a lot of times these things aren't really noticed. And then what happens is, is like, let's say someone has it out for you. They can just start looking for tweets that, you know, and watch for the ones that you might say that might be construed as controversial and then just like report you and stuff. And yeah, so there's, there's some of that shit going on too. Like a little bit of vendettaism or something uh, where people kind of just mess with you. Like, so yeah, Ukraine, go ahead. Okay. About coach. All of you know, uh, his voice is just uh, uh, penetrating uh, something on your body. I don't know what, but something. And I think Twitter was uh, just for GIMP. Yeah, that's, 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 that's really stupid, but just for GIMP. I think Twitter was already looking a way to find him to delete him for that moment. That was it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's like, you know, necessarily like this deep conspiracy or some shit. I just think like someone probably reported him or something. And then like when you get reported, it's different. Like then then it draws attention and then someone's like, oh, wait, they have to go through your posts. And the funny thing is like, well, not funny, but like when you go through a person that's posting a lot of satires posts, um, it's easy to find all sorts of faults because you don't know, you don't understand satire. And like, let's say, for example, your satire is like anti-left or anti-right or some sort of maybe political angle or some like specific thing, then it's easy to say, oh, look, this guy said bad things about this group or that group or whatever. And it's easy to just sort of like click the button and say, ban somebody. 
So like, yeah, it's for satire, it's very difficult because anything can be called hate speech and whatever they want to use for their rules. So that does make it tricky. I don't, I don't know what else to do about it. Like, like you just have to try to get him back on and hopefully um, he can appeal to some of the, the people that manage some of the Twitter accounts. I think the, we managed to, um, I think we messaged uh, Jose also with Delphi Digital. Um, but between everybody we know, we've got to know some people that can probably like have a contact at Twitter and can sort it out. And maybe I'll like message Eric Voorhees or something like, like somebody that, uh, maybe some people that are in that, like, uh, Silicon Valley set that, that would be willing to sort of like reach out to somebody. But at the same time, it's kind of like, how important is this like to do to him? I, I had suggested just like turbo leveling a new account, like just, like, <laughs> and then just like. But he's like, well, the principle of it is like, I don't want to have to start over and do that again. And, uh, you know, we we did this back um, in. Uh, so, like, I, I could tell this story if you guys have a moment, but like, whatever, fuck it. I'm the host. I can say whatever I want. So there's uh, we had this time um, in EverQuest history. This is a video game back in the late 90s that came out, I think, 98 or 99, something like that. And uh, it, I don't know if you guys know video game history very much, but like, um, one of the f earlier video games for multiplayer online gaming was like Ultima Online came around and then um, I think it was RuneScape and then right around that time was like the first person view game uh, where you can switch between first and third person for um, like a fantasy role-playing type of game this was EverQuest um, Ultima Online before that was kind of top view and then EverQuest had like a more built out guild structure and you you know this is where like you did raids like you'd go and like kill a dragon with a group of people and that kind of thing so that was kind of pretty uh good it was a really good experience in everquest anyway i happened to be just out of the blue i don't know why i happened to be in a guild in that game that was the top guild in the world at the time for like any game of all time like fires of heaven which is what we were called was basically like very very well known in EverQuest. It was like, and I had like one of the highest characters like on the planet. Like I think out of half a million people, as far as like equipment and this and that. Why? Because we played with really good people. Um, the the lead guy that used to run our guild um, used to go by the name of uh, Caloran, and uh, we used to call him Cal K A L. And um, uh, he he was really really good at like understanding game dynamics and getting everybody ahead. And he'd be really, really good at understanding the mechanics of how these, like, um, like, like the, the game elements worked. And we'd always get the guild to kind of do cool shit. And we'd sort of beat everything first. And really, really smart guy. In fact, uh, um, uh, later on, this guy actually went on to become a lead game developer for a game designer for World of Warcraft. You probably, if you, any of you guys played World of Warcraft, you would have recognized my... Um, like my EverQuest character name, I don't, I don't want to get into that right now, but it's actually on a lot of the, the characters in World of Warcraft um, because this, like a lot of the, like, he, he actually incorporated a lot of his friends' like character names into different names on the, uh, in the game World of Warcraft, interestingly. So um, anyway, because he was kind of like story developer for that. But anyway, in EverQuest, we had like a lot of times, this was when Verant Entertainment owned EverQuest. And uh, they used to watch us play. They used to actually watch us like uh, beat each of these big levels because, you know, in game design, like you don't know fully how the how fun the particular level is. You might have a little bit of idea how hard it's going to be, but you haven't fully tested it in the wild to see like like what kind of permutations of 
gameplay that the guild or the users are going to make. And they want to tweak this, right? So the, the developers were well known for sort of watching us. And um, at some point or another, uh, and we used to actually give feedback to the, the game developers too. I think Sony eventually took over the company. Um, and I don't know who owns it now, but um, but they, they used to give them feedback in terms of like things they could make better in the game and like tweaks to the characters and blah, 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 right? Um, and uh, at the time, I remember like, he, so our lead um, uh, guild master, whatever you want to call him, the, the, the head, he um, got caught um, sort of like, uh, basically printing gold. So in the game, you have gold, right? Um, which we spend to buy things. So this is long before the idea of like Bitcoin and everything. And like, by, by the way, like most of the Bitcoin ideas came from video gamers uh, like us. Um, in fact, a lot of language used in video games today, we made up like, no, you know, a lot, a lot of video game slang was like us making that shit up as we went. It's kind of very funny when, when the world started using words we made up. Um, but anyway, like way back then, um, the uh the this guy um we 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 basically had this method of like doubling like you know you going to the bank in the in the game and like like clicking some buttons and long story short basically printing more gold than you should have right like you're supposed to kill a monster or something and get like a certain amount of gold right we had a way of like basically like printing gold which uh basically is an exploit in the game structure and normally you're supposed to like not take advantage of exploits is against the company policy you know you can't like you're supposed to, if you do that, you know, you can get banned and you can get your account banned. So this is what happened. So this is my first experience in, in the world of the internet of having an account banned. Our guild leader's account got banned. And um, he was uh, like this uh, rogue class character and, um, and and he gets banned. And the whole like crypto world was like, oh, if you're, you know, like, no, I'm sorry, Cal is it the, the fires of heavens, a bunch of exploiters, blah, 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 and like all this shit, right? So um, we didn't give a fuck. We, we were at the top and we continue to remain so. And uh, we, we decided, and we didn't get there from just exploiting the game necessarily. This is just one of those goofy things. Get gold in this game was stupid anyway, it was useless. It wasn't, had, had no purpose. Um, the inflation in the in the game was so ridiculous, like, um, it, it just made no sense. Actually, another side story is that in China and in uh, other countries, they had like prisoners and shit, like playing the video game, mining the golds so they can sell it on eBay. I don't know if you guys remember those days, if you were around then, but like 99 and 2000, like child labor and like prisoners and shit were being used to mine video game gold to then sell on eBay, which is, that's some funny shit. Um, anyway, uh, so here we are, he gets banned. So what do, how do we deal with it? Now coming back to the idea of what to do with Bruce. So what we did was like, fuck this, like, okay, like, okay, so they deleted his account, all his cool equipment that we had earned over the last, you know, six months. Um, so we said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, like, so in the game, you have to kill monsters, and they have, like, some hit points, right? Like, they have a thousand hit points, and if you're the one that, um, in the group, it, so the group gets the hit points and the experience points for killing the monster, and if you knock off all the hit points, make them go to zero, the, the group wins and you get experience, right? That's how you gain uh, levels. So we had him make a, a brand new character, a level one character, and all of us with our level 50 top level characters would basically do what's called twinking him. We sort of made up this term called twinking where like, basically we would uh, like drag all these monsters over, we'd kill him like 99%, and all he has to do is land one hit with a sword and he, he basically levels, right? Like he gets all the experience outside of the group. So he's able to basically just get like, just really, really fast leveling in, 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 in very, very like specific areas. And that became a whole thing in gaming, uh, particularly after the whole world heard that we had done this. Like we had him back to a full scale, full character account 
within, I think, like a week. Like this normally takes like months and especially with all the equipment. We just went and killed a bunch of dragons and shit. We gave all the equipment to him and we fucking like had him back to, to not only we had him better than he was before. And this happened within weeks. And like, and then Fuhrer Plains Defiler, which was the, the name of this character, became the most famous like video game character of all time at that point. Like people are talking about him on the fucking internet. You can still Google him now and you find, you know, Fuhrer Plains Defiler and discussions about EverQuest and stuff like that. All the rest of us were forgotten, but, but the name of the man was like preserved kind of, and it was Fuhrer as in not Fuhrer as in like um, the Heil Hitler Fuhrer, but like F-U-R-O-R, like, you know, anger, like. You know, we did this out of like like retaliation, and he kind of named this thing anyway. So like, it's a famous kind of like event in gaming history, and that's how we solved it. And like, it's not that hard for all of us to get like Bruce's account busy and whatever again. But like, Twitter has this rule where you're not supposed to like um, you're not supposed to have any account again if you get deplatformed from Twitter. If they find out it's you or whatever, or maybe the people that you hung out with are now like connected to you again, they're going to realize, Hey, wait a minute, this guy's the same guy. And then they're going to use their algorithm to detect, you know, uh, scheming or whatever. And so the concern is that even if he created a new account, his Twitter account would be banned again and that kind of thing. Like, so this is the, this is the problem. Um, and back in, in, in video games, like all you had to do is like, you know, use someone else's credit card number or something. Is it banned banned or just jail for a while? No, his is like, permanently banned is what it says on there for now so i don't know oh these sons of bitches yeah so this is the this is the situation we're in so like you 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 can sort of do it like for twitter like there's no obvious reason that like all of his like friends and fans and whatever can't just hop on and just you know sign on but you'd have to have this like like you wouldn't have you would basically like it's like fight club (laughs) you'd basically have to not say the name you have to not use his original naming or anything and everyone just sort of secretly gets back on but the problem is is that like they'll know who it is like in a way because of who gets connected back to him. Right. So it's, it's a problem uh, on Twitter where like, it's hard to build back that network unless you, I guess you could do it really slowly. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter, I suppose, but that's the situation he's in right now. So unless people are able to get him unbanned from Twitter and make that argument, um, which we're trying to do, I think Jose and some other people are going to try to contact some people at Twitter and try to fix it. Like, hey, this is a satire account. Like, he was basically like going after someone who's using gay slurs and all this sort of thing. And uh, hey, can you please get this guy's account back on? Right. So, but if you go back to his history, he says all sorts of funky shit. So, like, it's they might say, oh, I don't know. Like, this guy's a pretty pretty wild card. Maybe we won't. But yeah, you wouldn't know that he's a benign individual unless you met him and talked to him like we have. Right. So. Anyway, well, most comedians are. I mean, maybe he should have had it like on his profile in parentheses. Hey, you know, comic or whatever. Everything's comedy here or just how everybody puts in NFA, non-financial advice and all that bullshit. Yeah, but some some of that's like it takes the fun out of trolling if you tell people you're a troll. Right. So that's the thing. Um, it almost misses the point. Right. So. Mm. Oh, absolutely. My um, my good friend OX Ears was banned from Twitter. Uh, because he became the character Charlie Zhao, which is like a tongue-in-cheek, like it's not CZ, it's Charlie Zhao, right? But they still, someone obviously reported uh, the fake Charlie with the CZ profile picture. I mean, like the guy's posting about like, what coffee should I get? You know, it's not like nefarious. It's like, he's not going out and trying to take your money or like scam people. He's like, oh, I feel like I'm getting a coffee. What should I, Paul, you know, what should I drink this morning? It's like, 
it's just kind of funny. But anyway, they 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 banned him as yeah. well. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Like, I, I you know I think there's something happening differently on Twitter though for large accounts. Like I noticed, um, like earlier in the year, like there would be scammers making name uh, named accounts very similar to mine, trying to like you know robo post or scam post and shit like that. And then like more recently, I've noticed that I think it probably is harder to um, it might be harder to create a name that's very similar to um, people with a certain number of followers. I think they're catching on to the fact that people are just like uh, making names that are very, very similar to um, people with followers and trying to scam people or whatever. But I haven't noticed nearly as many like copycats under my name. Either that or a lot of people that I know are just reporting the shit out of those people. I'm not sure. Mm, um, yeah. I'm not sure which one it is. It might be linked. Uh, I was just messaging some of the guys say actually. And uh, one of the engineers used to work for Twitter, so I'm going to follow that line up and see if he knows anyone. Yeah, that might be a good way to go. Well, after the Luna C community all become millionaires and billionaires, maybe we can put an effort out to buy Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> like a DAO going and buying Twitter. Yeah, yeah say, but fuck it, we'll bring back Bruce. Yeah, but this shit is way more of the responsibility than most people want. Like, it's easy to, like... It's it's so easy to like dump on Twitter, but holy shit, it is um, it is not so easy to to handle the masses of people and all the fuckery that goes on here. Because there are a lot of like uh, like obvious like scammers and like fishers and all sorts of people that are hanging around too. And so I, I can imagine how busy it must be having to deal with all that shit, right? Who knows? Well, the ten thousand bots that you have on this shit. Bikram, what's going on? You're kind of hanging out here for a while. <laughs> Were you trying to catch up with us or something? Oh, on a good note, though, it looks like Prism Protocol is coming back to Luna Classic. Yeah, uh, Hyperion had uh, mentioned that they're doing something there. So Hi they're doing something on Luna and Luna 2, actually. Uh, so they have some community funding from Terra V2 also. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Actually, what you want to see is you want to see some connected uh, dApps that maybe revolve around Luna Classic and Luna, um, which uh, could connect, could be present on both chains and like uh, allow you to sort of like, um, you know, maybe like, for example, trade Luna and Luna Classic um, in, in some cohesive way. So, yeah, there's uh, a lot of cool stuff happening. Yeah, near protocol is coming back uh i think i might have the name loop finance um i want to come back there's there's a bunch of them coming back well loop is on is on juno now i'm not sure if they intended to do anything on uh Terra classic have they announced something yeah so it's not quite official but they have um kind of officially stated it so edward was able to bring it out it was something we were talking about right before the ama i had with him yesterday of what we're able to disclose and not especially with projects that are wanting to come back um because we actually there's actually probably i can give somewhat of a number like seven or eight big projects that were on luna classic that are working on coming back right now i mean big ones um, interesting so. Yeah, Prism was one of our favorite ones. Um, oh, yeah, it, it I'm excited about it that. It did sort of rely upon um, the existence of sort of like the stablecoin piece of the puzzle. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty good like liquid staking sort of solution. It was very interesting. Um, so I, I don't know what 
uh, Hyperion's planning for Prism on Classic or on Luna 2. I didn't, I didn't catch up with him lately. I need to get online with him and like, just like hash out what the hell they're doing exactly. <laughs> yeah, I just saw a post that Vegas uh, retweeted, and I wasn't sure that the, they were going to come out with that announcement. I knew in the background that they were talking uh, with Terra Rebels and stuff. And then I just saw the tweet, and I was like, oh, shit, sweet. They actually came out and said it publicly themselves. So, mm. uh, By the way, uh, if you were on Original Luna, um, uh, hopefully everyone got their second airdrop recently um, on the Luna chain. Uh, so you'd, you'd have to go to that like address and check it. It's a Phoenix. It's on the Phoenix decks, I think, on Terra.money. Um, anyway, there. if you haven't picked up your airdrop or whatever, be sure to have done so. Uh, I, I got a sizable amount of Luna, but I don't know what all was included in that um, airdrop. Um, but uh, it, it was a significant amount of money. So, uh, if uh, depending on where you had your money on the original Luna chain, uh, there was some airdrop there. But uh, but it's vested though, so and it's a little bit of a pain in the ass to claim it. You have to have, create a new wallet, and you have to put some uh, Luna on it because it's not like otherwise you can't do any transactions, and it's like this weird. Uh, it's like this weird convoluted thing you have to do to actually get it to work. But there are instructions out there to, uh, to pick that up if you haven't done so. Uh, Bikram, uh, is your connection working? I think you're trying to ask a question or something. Oh, you can hear me? Yeah, you're good now. I was trying to get you on earlier, uh, but I couldn't hear you. Yeah, oh, my uh, mic is not on that thing. Okay, I, I'm going to ask about, uh, you know, the U people are asking about the USTC passive income, the liquidity pool, like the contract, the LUNC and USTC liquidity pool, the contract, they want to invest in liquidity, USTC for passive income in classic chain. Is there any option or is there any work is going on on the classic chain for USTC? Uh, so you're asking... Uh, uh, hit mute for a second. Because uh, uh, you have a lot of echo. Uh, I am asking for a creative farm or a liquidity pool for USTC and Luna in classic chain for passive income on USTC. Is that so? You're asking if there's some possibility or passive income on like farm on a liquidity pool like stuff in. Luna Classic chain for USTC holders, they want to get passive income like LUNC. Do you get it? I think he's asking if USTC is able to be staked right now through anything to get uh, passive rewards. No, let, let's talk about that a minute. Uh, I need to put him on mute though because there's a lot of noise in the background. So if you want to make, uh, if you want to hold USTC, and you want to hold Luna Classic and you want an option as far as like how to make some extra money there, um, probably the thing to do would be go on terraswap.io and see if there's a liquidity pool. Um, like, uh, Demon, have you checked Terraswap lately? Is there an LP for the, that pairing? Um, not really. I haven't gone on there. There, it, there was. I don't think it's working. Let me, let me look for you just a second here. Um... So if you go to one sec, I haven't been on TerraSwap much lately. Uh, here we go. So if you go to TerraSwap.io, 
you would need to, let's see, type in loon, uh, type lunk. Hmm, actually, I'm on the wrong TerraSwap shit. This is the one for Luna V2. Uh, oh, here's the classic one. Give me a second. All right. So you go on to TerraSwap. At the bottom of TerraSwap.io is the button to go to classic. And then you go to the swap page. And let's see. We have Luna Classic. And you can let me make sure there's a USTC pool here. Um, yeah. There's a UST on here. So let's see what happens. So if I take 100 UST, or let's see, 1,000 UST, that'll give me 127,000 LUNC with a spread of 0.36%. So there is a liquidity pool there. Um, I don't know uh, if there's a web page that actually tells you what the actual yield is. But if there's a lot of buying and selling of USTC and Luna Classic going on, then your liquidity pools, um, the LP's value will go up over time. So if people want to make, quote unquote, passive income, they could do it that way. It's not some sort of pure staking. And you are exposed to the price action risk of both Luna Classic and Luna Cla I'm sorry, USTC. But it is an option if you want to play with it. Um, but TerraSwap.io, the classic page is where you go to do this. Did you click swap? Did it actually go through? Um, I did not. Why? Does it not work? There's, well, there was an issue with it where it wasn't working. That's why, that's why I was asking. Because it, it was all there, but it wasn't working. There was a lot of people that had brought that up <clears throat> that were trying to swap, and it wasn't actually swapping. You could, because, you could probably message uh, the TerraSwap people on Twitter and see if you get a response as far as, like, functionality and all. Um, yeah, that's what they were doing. Uh, I'm trying to think when's the last time I actually swapped anything on there. Um, I think I swapped at one point on Astroport. I don't know if theirs is still functioning or not either. Yeah, I know a lot of people had uh, trouble with Terra Station itself for a long time because they were trying to withdraw their uh, their Astro tokens from from Retrograde, and uh, we had to tell them to go use XDefi or uh basically don't use the terra station mobile wallet i think it was just the mobile wallet or perhaps it was i don't remember there was some some problem with terra station basically though hmm. giving people yeah, headaches it's been a while breaking. So some of some of those things might have been fixed at this point but yeah yeah when you talk about passive income um like i think the the number one problem is first off um you're still talking about taking a price action uh speculative risk on USTC, and we have no idea what's going to happen with that coin. Like, obviously, it's had a little pump lately. Has it been going up today? Have you guys looked? Demon, have you checked uh, on USTC today? No, I haven't. I haven't been on there. I, I haven't even checked Lunk today. Let me see what's happening here. Um, there was kind of a little bit of a pump sort of thing going on with it, and um, I'm not sure what the uh yeah it's like yeah it had a little bit of a move upwards um and it's like a, a nickel right now per dollar so you know is there a possibility there'll be a speculative um sort of pump in this thing maybe um is it going to reach a dollar again i don't know uh it would take quite a lot of money we're probably talking about like 
you'd have to get a market cap to go up by about $9 billion at this point, which is a lot. Um, so yeah, th there's probably not enough of an effect to have that happen at the moment. Um, but it's not impossible in the future. Although it's also possible if there's someone wanted a stable coin to actually just build a new one. There's no reason to necessarily try to revive the old coin. I bought some USTC the other day just to kind of like speculate on, you know, the price action of it. I just bought a little bit and held it. And uh, I figured if it goes up, fine. If it doesn't, whatever. Yeah. To me, if you're holding USTC, it's a pure like speculative gamble. Like it's not something you're going to earn reliable or safe yield on. It's not something that you would be able to say reliably, oh, I'm going to earn 20% APY on this. It's like you're holding it because you're, you're taking a gamble that it might uh, pump randomly and then you can sell. I mean, that's pretty much, uh, or, or there'll be some news like, oh, you know, we're going to use USTC for something or, oh, we're going to try and repeg it or, you know, it's, it's all just pretty much like a gamble. Um, so I wouldn't be looking to try and earn yield on it. If you're trying to do something like sustainable and earn yield on crypto, it's, you're looking at, like there's a whole variety of different products and stable coins and, you know, other places you can do that. Um, you know, this is, this is not the, the place to be doing it or staking, you know, securing a proof of stake network. Like, uh, you know, that's another way you could earn somewhat reliable yield or, and some people would say that's actually just not falling behind. It's kind of how you, how do you look at it? It's an interesting point, actually. How do you look at earning yield on your staked atom? Do you think, you are earning some extra yield here and you're getting ahead or do you think you're just um if you don't stake you are losing versus everyone who is staked like it's just kind of like is a glass half full or half empty sort of uh, mentality yeah like i just i basically just took um some luna uh yesterday uh or the day before and i just bought some USTC with it just to sort of gamble, like truly just gamble. <laughs> like I just parked it there and figure whatever, I just got this free yield and I'm going to like use it. And then I took some Adam and I did what coach was mentioning. I went on to um, osmosis and got like USTC at one sixth the price because IBC is disconnected and the price is off and basically got like, like for about 500 bucks, I think I got like 3000 bucks or something worth of, uh, worth of uh ustc so if the system reconnects i'll be able to arb that and basically make a 6x gain on that just um assuming that ibc gets reconnected and that's a big if too so that's a little bit of alpha mm. that those kind of arbs like when when terra uh was was crashing and everything was breaking one of the best arbs was uh Thor, Thor chain got basically it, like it went down they lost connection between Thor chain and terra um but it went back up again once and in that one time when it reconnected, there was a huge ARP because Luna had dumped to like under a dollar, but it was still $25 on ThorChain. So, so everyone was like, holy shit, man. So we were <laughs> scooping some Luna up and you know, <laughs> um, trying to get multiply your money. And obviously you had to set slippage to like 80% or something because your, your, your swap's not going to go through. Um, in the end, I think I made a little bit there, like nothing crazy because obviously it got botted. And then like, uh, it was going to happen again. And it was like, oh, it's, it's disconnected. It's like, oh, we're going to reconnect to Terra so people can like withdraw their LPs and things like this. Uh, but the Thor chain team were like, shit, you know, this is what they called it, like toxic ARB or something like this. And they, like, we're not going to let you just come and uh, ARB the hell out of all of this and kill everyone who's providing liquidity, like just absolutely murder them. So 
they they basically re-enabled it, but uh, you could you could only withdraw your your liquidity. You couldn't swap, um, which was a shame because again, it would have been it was like a tenth of a cent or a hundredth of a cent Luna, and you could swap it for like twenty bucks uh, on Swordchain. So um, yeah, kind of these these arms are sometimes crazy in in DeFi. If you if you happen to be at the right place, at the right time, or know how to like look for them somehow, some people like that's like they're really high expertise on that particular thing. <laughs> hey, Addy, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Good, good. Did you make did you make it out doing anything interesting last night? Yeah, I went out super <laughs> and stayed out super late, so I haven't really done a lot today besides go to the gym and like sit in my apartment but. you really do not sleep that much considering like you didn't sleep much yesterday you went out then you came back and you didn't sleep as much they went to the gym yeah i got back to my apartment at like five in the morning um and then i well i slept for like maybe like five hours because i went to a class at 10 and then so that was like a pretty good amount for me to be honest but yeah so bruce's account got uh banned for uh i think using the word gimp in the context of like whatever and yeah. uh which is really really weird considering all the crazy shit that we do um yeah it's also pretty weird considering all the shit that the account that he said it to was saying but. right right so now it's like trying to find um trying to find some way to sort of like uh like free his account but i also think that like at this point though the problem is even if it was freed right what are you gonna walk on eggshells from now on like worried about like being banned again and stuff like this is the problem yeah. with this type of thing. It's like it it stifles your ability to sort of like um, say whatever you want to say. I know. I really didn't even like when I saw what he was um, banned for. I was like surprised. Like it, that, I didn't. That didn't even seem that bad to me. I don't know. You'd be forced to say nice things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. From now on, you're going to say <laughs> only nice things. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, Addison, from now on, the, your verbal assaults against people are going to be um, scrutinized um, by the algorithm, by being just by sheerly being associated with the band account, maybe. Great. So I'll really need to like keep it keep it kind of reined in from now on, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> DJ, what's going on? You came to hang out. What's up? Yeah, all good. Thanks. Yeah, the ob you mentioned that was such a great opportunity i haven't had a deal like that in like forever like fourth of the price for usdc on, on osmosis yeah that yeah, yeah. was pretty sweet but i also wanted to add about the so-called passive income on Along the astropod pools on that side are functioning so you can have liquidity in several pairs on the classic side so you have them working yeah they okay. work now that was Bikram. i think they just just turned them on this week or something yeah Bikram. so if you go on astroport.fi and go to the Luna Classic section, you might be able to find some USTC options if you like that sort of thing. That's it, yeah. Cool. Yeah, thanks for the info. No problem. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't been participating that much on playing with these things lately, so I, I didn't really investigate them. 
Um, I was just asking about Astro Point Port 2, <laughs> and he just answered it, and then I got the answer back from TR about it as well. Yeah, cool. Hmm. So, uh, Grover, what else is going on in your your, your neck of the woods? Sorry, I live. Okay. What's that? Am I interrupting somebody? No, no, no. You go. You go. Picker, it's really hard to understand you. There's like a there's an echo in your space or something. It's like maybe your headphones or something. You can't hear anything you're saying. Sir, can you hear me now? Well. Barely, you just have a lot of reverb too. Okay, so that I, then I will talk later. I fix first fix this problem. What is going on over here? Well, Sefi, are we talking crypto still, or are we leaving crypto? Whatever, whatever goes. Hmm. Well, I'm uh, I'm enjoying a beer. Um, it's actually my second beer of the evening. I've become a functional alcoholic. It's really good. Uh, I'm drinking. Something called Veyrat, which is a bière blanche from the uh, southeast of France. It's very nice. Um, what else? Uh, we went out and got a very expensive cheese board last night, which is disgusting. I hate French cheese quite a lot. It smells terrible. I can barely even bring myself to sit next to it. And uh, when you walk through like the touristic area of the city that, that I live in, there's like it's like a little old medieval town with like weird little winding. Uh, alleyways and things and the smell like builds up of like it smells like feet and uh socks like the different restaurants blowing like this disgusting cheesy smell out and i honestly you know i can i can barely get through there man it's disgusting um so i don't recommend anybody lives in a, a medieval french town um yeah uh, that's that's what's going on uh before we get into more of that hey demon uh i sent you uh Django, uh, her Twitter address. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. What she, uh, I think, uh, the two gentlemen that you sent me Twitter addresses for that you wanted her to talk to their, I think their DMS aren't open. So she didn't have a way to like communicate directly with them. So if you could have them maybe follow her or something, then she can get them maybe coordinated to do an interview with them. Yeah, I'll set that up. Yeah, so I just sent her the I see, sent you her address because it's kind of a tricky address to remember, um, and just have the guys um, have them just follow her or something so that they can uh, message her or just have them reach out to her specifically about like interviewing with her. We'll do, brother. No problem. Yeah, if you if you've never met her before, she's really cool. Um, she has a YouTube channel, Interchain FM, I think it's called, and uh, she's been around Cosmos for quite some time, so she's really. Uh, She's pretty sharp. But anyway, that's <laughs> a little yeah, side note there. Hey, can I jump in and ask um, one quick question? Yeah, go for it. Hey, what's a good point of reference to like understand like the whole Cosmos um, situation in general? You know, as I said earlier, I'm really new to crypto. Like I created a Twitter like a month ago just for a little, but I know. Yeah, there are a few, there are a few decent um, YouTube channels. Um, there's like folks like CryptoCito, there's uh, uh, Chango. She does uh, like her. Actually, let me uh, see if I can figure out how to. Let me, let me get her uh, Twitter up at the top here. One Take second. The exit. Me, All the right. Okay. US three. <laughs> 
Sorry, it's my GPS. I'm going to Yeah, you're fine. Uh, let me just uh, post something here that she posted so that you guys can, like, just follow her. She's pretty good. Um, I think she tends to do more retweets than actual tweets. Let me find one of hers so I can post it up here. Oh, here we go. Uh, let me share one. Okay. So, yeah, just cool. follow her. She's up at the top. She's really um, pretty knowledgeable about it, and she has a pretty good YouTube channel as well. So if you want to just kind of see what she – just subscribe to her stuff or whatever. Cryptocito is pretty good. Um, there's always stuff going on. It depends on how far back you want to go. And, um, you know, like, obviously, the, the Cosmos primary page, you know, if you want to get into some reading, there's, like, things like white paper. There's, like, the website. But mm, simple way to describe the Cosmos is, is it's a proof-of-stake network. And I believe it might have been the first one. I think it was, like, I think it actually was created before the, the other popular ones, like Cardano and this and that. Um, Jay Kwan, I think did the white paper like 2014, which is way back. So, um, it is one of the oldest systems, um, that's been designed and it took a long time to put it out cause it's actually fairly complicated. Um, unlike just a regular blockchain, it has what's called inter-blockchain communication or IBC. Think of it sort of like TCP IP of the internet, where there's a communication protocol between chains native to the chains. So the beautiful thing about it is like you can make as many uh, blockchains as you want. Uh, as long as you have a validator set, you can create a whole new blockchain. So if you're a company, a person, you have a project, whatever the heck it is, um, and you can you can it's open source. So you can just basically just spin up a whole new chain just like that. Um, and then like. You know, so at first it was just Atom um, and the Cosmos chain. And then like now there's close to like 50 different chains. Um, some of the ones you may be aware of, of course, are Luna, Luna Classic. There's also um, um, uh, some other ones, for example, Osmosis, which is a, uh, a DEX. So the, the entire chain is just a decentralized exchange, uh, which is very different from what you might be used to in other places. Um, what else do we have? Uh, we have like Crypto.com is on cosmos fetch.ai you might have heard of that one that's the cosmos chain even polygon and ethereum is actually um uh a cosmos based uh, thing um and then like near protocol which is not a cosmos chain is actually connecting via ibc um so quickly like ibc has become i think the standard for um multi-chain blockchain communication um so instead of like a monolithic thing like ethereum where like you have Ethereum and then all these other little things that happen um, on top of Ethereum. With Cosmos, like you can build a totally different chain and you're not building on top of something else. So you can have its own governance, you can have its own principles, you can have like, you can, you won't be necessarily censored by the broader community. Like you can do all sorts of like um, things with Cosmos that you can't do with uh, anything else. So um, yeah, if you're bullish on the Cosmos ecosystem in general, it means that you like this idea of like, multiple sovereign uh um like uh, systems think think about them as uh, each individual blockchain is kind of like a database and that database is controlled by you and your group or whatever so like for example if i decide to spin up a cosmos chain at one point you know let's call it the sfe chain then um you know uh, all i'd have to do is kind of come up with a number of validators who are willing to run computers to um like uh make the actual system work 
essentially run the database. And you need something like 130 validators or so to do that. Um, the other thing about Cosmos is like right now, it's actually more difficult because you have to find, you know, 130 new validators. But with what's called interchain um, security, which is coming soon, you could basically use like the Atom Cosmos Hub chains validators and you could like uh, form a chain that is like um, partially using the validators of other chains, which is super interesting. So um, it's going to be cheaper and easier to build brand new blockchains for whatever reason or scale them. Like let's say, for example, um, like Kujira gets too busy or Osmosis gets too busy. They could actually have two or three or four parallel chains running simultaneously. And with something called interchain accounts, you could seamlessly um, like have activity on one chain ref be reflected on another so that um, like uh, the monetary record can actually be split between multiple chains, but happen all at once. So just a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, I think uh, if, if I were to guess, um, I think mm, the narrative for Cosmos Atom is probably among the strongest of pretty much all of crypto um, besides like some of the Ethereum projects um, that are out there. So a lot of exciting stuff happening. And I think um, a huge number of people are on the Cosmos now when you include all the different things like Crypto.com and um, Terra and um, Osmosis and all that. So it's building really quickly. And um, with that, you know, that broader community, um, a lot of updates happen to Cosmos. Um, like, for example, the Terra developers added, did a lot of updates or suggested a lot of updates to Cosmos. Um, the band um, team, that band is an Oracle system. They found some flaws and things at some point and, and um, updated the system. So the nice thing about lots and lots of people using um, the system is like you have essentially an open source system where lots of people are able to like audit the code and make sure it's working, find flaws, maybe suggest updates and um, think of it like Linux on the internet, right? Like right now, a significant portion of the internet runs on Linux-based systems. This would be somewhat similar to that in that like open source allows for a lot of people to check the code and make sure that it's working the way it should and all of that. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a specific type of future that's being developed on Cosmos. And I think it's for a newbie, it's really hard to sort of digest it all in the very beginning. You're like, what is all this? Um, it's a little bit easier. Yeah, to I was going to say some of it I'm picking up on, but then I know a lot of it I have to <laughs> definitely do my own DD on it. Yeah, but I think what I just said pretty much summarizes it. Like, no, that makes sense. You can basically create like smart contract based platforms like Osmosis or Terra. You could have like you can have chains that don't have any smart contracts activated like Cosmos Hub. Um, mm -hmm. you could, yeah, there's, there's so many different options, uh, in terms of what you can build on Cosmos. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and you can also do things like what SEI network and DYDX are doing, which is not just appeal to use AMMs or, or automated, uh, money markets, but you can do what's called order books, similar to like what a Coinbase or a Binance would have, which is very powerful for long-term for financial markets to have. So, and, and Cosmos makes it feasible to do that or cosmos based chains makes it easy to do that. A lot what people get what people get really confused about with cosmos is is they assume that when I say cosmos they mean the atom cosmos hub chain. I think what we generally mean when we say cosmos is all the chains of the cosmos, all the different blockchains and um a lot of times that gets lost in the translation because you know crypto.com doesn't necessarily advertise that they're on a cosmos based chain or um whatever like everyone has their own branding and such. So a lot of people don't realize they're on 
Cosmos, right? Like when you're on an Apple phone, you realize you're on an Apple phone because you're physically holding it. But when when you're on a Cosmos-based blockchain, you don't notice because it's all happening in the background. It's it's almost like if you're on a if you're at a website, like for example, you're on a, I don't know a news website, and you're not sure if it's running on Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Cloud or whatever, right? Uh, similarly, like a lot of people that use Cosmos-based uh, chains, they don't know what's running in the background. We sort of look at it differently because we're either building or investing or whatever in various sub subsets of this and um that's a bit different than just simply like understanding it from a user perspective where it doesn't really matter what the um you know like what the you know you don't care if your website that you're using is on microsoft or amazon servers right you just care that the website works uh so unless you're an investor in amazon or microsoft what do you care um, you may not it may not bother you either way so that's kind of how cosmos is it's development of like lots of different sort of like um uh, techniques that can then be spread to all these chains so that like, let's say for example, amazing new features come out on the Cosmos Atom chain, like interchain security, interchain accounts, these new things that are coming out, they can be rolled out on other, any chain in the Cosmos, like crypto.com can upgrade theirs or uh, Terra can upgrade theirs or whatever, right? So it's really important to understand the whole Cosmos, uh, maybe not just the chain that you're on, if you want to really dig deep into like what all this stuff does. Um, and, uh, and again, you don't need to know all that. Like if all you want to do is buy some NFTs or, you know, like, you know, like play around, you don't need, you don't need to know all this stuff, but, um, it just depends on how deep you want to go as far as knowledge. Grover, anything to add to that? Like little description, like you as a developer or whatever. Mm, yeah. Um, well, actually let me, uh, I'll be super clear. I, uh, I am a mechanical engineer by trade and I'm a systems guy. I kind of understand how things work. Uh, it was better when they were like moving parts, but you know, we can kind of picture things as boxes and pulleys and levers. Right. So, um, but yeah, uh, when it comes to, I, th I think one of the main things of Cosmos is yes, it's interoperable with IPC. One of the main kind of barriers is, uh, like the language that you write your smart contracts in. So you'll hear about EVM compatible chains, which is like, well, obviously Ethereum, uh, Avalanche, uh, Phantom, all these different uh, chains, and they all use the same programming language, which is Solidity and the same standards. Um, so then you have chains like Evmos, which allows people to bridge across from, from Ethereum and come over to, to Cosmos and deploy smart contracts in Solidity. Um, so, um, so like on Cosmos, you use Cosmwasm, um, and then on Solana, you use a slightly modified version, like you're still in Rust, but it's just a little bit different and a bit weird. So like one of the barriers which, which needs to come down to sort of allow this true kind of internet of blockchains where you can write in any language, like it doesn't matter what language you're writing in, uh, we need to sort of uh, bring over like EVM compatibility, Solana compatibility, another thing which seems like a very good idea. Uh, I wonder who might be able to look after that. Um, and yeah, just, just make sure that, and like near, near people talk about near quite a lot, um, but it's, they've really, really struggled. They've got a lot of money, but they don't have any, uh, they don't have any kind of traction. Um, so they're adding IBC and maybe that's going to go and help them. Maybe it's actually going to not help them at all, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, like uh, slowly but surely, you, you know, a lot of people, and I think Sefi was kind of alluding to it there, it's like, yeah, Google, one of the most successful companies. Like, what, what language is Google written in? I don't think very many people know or care what language is written in. Um, so in the same way, hopefully, give it a few years, no one will care what language 
you write your smart contracts in, it doesn't really matter. Um, anyway, that's that's me just talking nonsense. Yeah, I mean, but like for lay people, uh, sort of like uh, it, 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 in the beginning, it seems kind of weird and like overwhelming. Like, what is all this nonsense? Like, why are people doing this stuff? Um, but there are a lot of like important uh, developments happening that I think will um, have the potential to like affect almost any any industry, like almost no matter what you're in. Um, there, some of the aspects of what sort of blockchain technology does um, have potential roles in 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 a, a variety of different interesting industries. So you, you like. Yeah, anything from like strategic to medical to science to so it's not just purely about like financial services either. There may be some other reasons why you might want to use these things. For for example, like uh, like patient records or something like that. There might be reasons to use it use these things for that. Um, but like just generally, just having uh, information that's sovereign. This idea that like okay, right now if you have all your email stuff on the Gmail servers something happens to Gmail and now you don't have access to your shit or maybe they ban you from Gmail because you said something I don't like, right? Like Twitter, like what happened to uh, Bruce here, then you kind of get screwed, right? So like there's also this idea that your information is sovereign and that like nobody can shut it down or shut it off is is sort of like a, a potential benefit to it. Addy, um, yeah. you, you, I think uh, you'd probably consider yourself a relative layperson in this. Like have you had any like questions that cropped up as far as like what the heck we're talking about or why or any of that? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I definitely still have a bunch of questions, but I don't know if I like have any specific ones right now. I still haven't like done anything. Like once I like transferred my atom over, I haven't like, like mm -hmm. that, that sort of, that's where it ended. So, well, you can you one of things, well, build on the technology and side of that. Um, so I was involved back in 2017 and just because of what Bitcoin was in the blockchain, I got burnt with, you know, USI tech, the crash, it hurt. I, you know, <clears throat> young, not much money, lost a lot of money. I still don't have money. It's irrelevant, but a few years later, I was actually on my corporate website and there was an article about blockchain and that, like wounds have healed at this point. And I said, you know what? That's why I got into this industry. It's not to make a quick buck. It's not. I mean, obviously, there's a benefit. Um, it's not about money. It's about what blockchain is pushing into technology about transferring messages and in transferring everything and in keeping people more safe and i think the scope is so far lost from that because this article really talked about walmart doing a, a study where they had to like the study was they had to recall you know a shipment of oranges and with their system that they had, it took, you know, three months for them to find out where all the oranges were. And with blockchain, 
they were able to do it within weeks. So, I mean, the power behind that is, is so lost that, you know, unfortunately. Wait, lost, it, lost on who? I'm sorry. The public or the power, the power of it is lost on who? What do you mean? I, I think, I think everybody between like people wanting to get into it, the government thinking it's, you know, I mean, I'm from the U S so when I say government, I mean the U S like, and even other, you know, diplomatic countries, they think it's all just, you know, they, they put their smoke and mirrors on and say, Oh, it's used for, all negative. Again, I think I'm just trying to hone in on the fact that it's such a powerful, trackable system. Um, I don't know. I think if you speak to people in politics, um, if you speak to people in government, I think what you find is almost nobody knows what the fuck's going on. Like they don't know. Uh, for that matter, Agreed. they don't know what's happening on in any given day in Silicon Valley either, by the way. Like you forget about blockchain tech. A substantial portion of the sort of like so-called political class is not extraordinarily well informed about like tech developments. A lot of times, even legislation and all those kind of things with government that happens, a lot of that happens with think tanks who kind of like are thinking about this all day and night. And then they sort of craft legislation and then the politicians are generally late to the full understanding. Excuse no, me. I'm and, and you're right. And I, and I appreciate that correction. And And like I say, I'm just. A, a lay person myself, you know, and all I'm saying is that like a significant portion of the media, a significant portion of like everywhere we get our source of information from by and large are lay people when it comes to these, like these technological developments. And, you know, it usually takes like 20, 30, 40 years until, you know, maybe you have a generation of people that are really use these things. But I, I can tell you right now, like a substantial portion of, the human race still doesn't don't know how basic electronics work. Like this, like like I was just talking about this yesterday. Like um, like unless you've actually sat down and soldered together a circuit board, um, understand like what a resistor and a transistor and the other elements do. Like I don't like to some extent most of us don't have a good deep understanding of how most of the stuff we use works. Blockchain is no exception to that rule. Is how I look at it. So I wouldn't get too worried about it. I think if there are technological utilities that like. Um, you know, like for example, V chain, like you mentioned with Walmart or something like that, where they, they can do like supply chain tracking and they find that it's useful. It'll make its way into those industries, um, where, um, that type of technology is useful. Um, like for example, Addy, um, one of the examples that you might have heard about is, um, I don't know if you've heard about this in the fashion industry. So like, I think Louis Vuitton and some other, uh, manufacturers, um, they have this problem where people make the fake uh, fake purses and things. And you've probably heard a little bit about what they're doing to sort of like combat that. But one of the things they were doing you, is basically, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, are you, I don't know if this is what you're going to say, but are you talking about the chips that they have in the bags where you can like scan them to know if they're real? Um, that's just one example. Um, there's also just... Um, yeah, there, that's one example. That would be like some sort of NFC chip or something sort of built into the bag. But um, luxury goods manufacturers have had a hard time with like Chinese knockoff products and other bullshit, right? So in order to keep that luxury premium for that sort of art premium, they try to fight the this kind of counterfeiting market. <clears throat> but it's not just the um, like at the end point, you just put a chip in it. 
you can do other stuff like what he was talking about, where you basically take the entire supply chain from where the leather was you know, procured to whatever. And uh, there is a record put on to basically um, a database, which is basically blockchain. It can't be modified. And you can actually put together a like all the materials that went into the creation of a product. You can record it to a blockchain and ultimately verify that you know, your purse not only is this purse, but it came from leather from over here. It was uh, stitched over here. It was like, uh, you know, connected to little metal parts over here. In other words, the history of the creation of this thing is sort of baked into a record that is on a database, which we call blockchain, that doesn't disappear. So, you know, you can always sort of verify that this purse, um, you can verify credibly that this purse with this whatever serial number and this chip actually went through the process and all of these different people verify that it is a leather that, that people say it is or whatever, right? It's sort of like how when you get a diamond, you know, you have that like, um, I forget the name of the agency, the gemology, whatever institute or something. And uh, it gives you like uh, the clarity and all those kind of like, uh, you know, the, the whatever, the cut, the clarity, you know, all of those little features of a diamond, you know, you get a little card, right? But imagine with the blockchain, the difference is, is that it's like a database that doesn't um, that doesn't get overwritten, and you can record that information indefinitely um, in a computing-based system. Whereas the little card you have, you know, what if you lose it, or you know, what if you forge it, or something like that. So, um, you know, like if you laser etch, say for example, a serial number of a diamond um, onto it you know, onto it, then you could theoretically look this up somewhere and find out where it came from. Is it, did it come from Africa? Did it come from, um, like whatever, right? You could, you could even like have a supply chain idea of like which different owners have had it before and things like that. So there's like a lot of interesting things with, um, like think of blockchain as kind of like a database technology in a sense, but a database technology that, um, de depending on how you use it, um, you can, you can kind of, um, change the way like we record things as far as how computers work so like the difference would be Addy. like imagine if um like uh the difference between blockchain and having uh, and not having it would be imagine hermes has like a um, purse that they've created and they have a computer at their installation at their headquarters that contains this information right what happens if something happens as company they go under they go bankrupt or what happens if like the um the company blows up or something i don't know who knows what like the computer system gets wrecked so if you have a decentralized computer network with this data on it then it's very much harder to destroy the the information about the birkin bag or whatever that you own right whereas if something happens to that facility now it's like wait i can scan this chip but like where am i gonna um how can i be sure that the data in the background is actually there to confirm that this bag is real something like that so blockchain when we talk about immutability, that's what we mean. This idea that it can't be overwritten or deleted or gotten rid of. And uh, the validator networks that we talk about make sure that like the data is secure um, and the data is accurate every single time. And um, that, that's, I think, maybe a simple way to look at it, right? Like, so if you kind of see the kind of challenging with challenges with counterfeiting, um, this is one of the areas that's been proposed like for use for blockchains. And then like NFTs are, are part of that process too. Like if you have a piece of data, like like the information about a purse, right? If you hold the NFT 
in your wallet, that means that you quote unquote own it. You own the physical product as well. Um, and it would almost be like owning the title to your car. Like, you know how you pay off your mortgage on your car, they send you a piece of paper that says, hey, you have this car now. And until that point, it's like a lien. So similarly, NFTs can be used for the same concept. NFTs, non-fungible token, simply means having a car title on the blockchain. It's not that much different, really. Um, but you could assign it to any object, like a purse. You could assign it to a JPEG, like the people's profile pictures here. Um, we think about that. Like, so NFT is just a, is a recording on a blockchain that simply says, hey, I own this piece of information. And you could tie that to anything, a real world thing, a picture, a wine. People have done this with wines where like um, they're trying to build like um, like a verification network similar to what I just mentioned for purses and stuff, but for wines so that you're, you can be fairly assured that where it came from, you know, who, who distributed it, like how long has it been sitting where, that kind of thing, like which grapes were used. So when you have an entire network, a system like that, where you can look that up, then you can be sure that the w bottle of wine that you're buying for $100 is truly worth what you believe it's worth, right? Like that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's actually pretty interesting. So like when I worked um, for one of these fashion houses, um, the role that I was in was kind of like, um, I don't know, it's difficult to explain exactly what it was because it was like sort of CRM, but then um, it's a pretty, like, pretty small um, like North American team. So I worked under the CEO and one of the projects that we were working on actually was like how to use web three and like how to move because a lot of um, like the fashion houses now are moving into that stuff. Like I think Balenciaga released one of the first like NFTs, like they were one of the first companies to do it. And so a lot of the stuff that we were talking about was sort of in that realm of like, how do we start utilizing this um, <clears throat> for our customers? And I think that, Balenciaga had done something kind of stupid. Like theirs was like, you can buy like a, a skin of, I don't know, like, <clears throat> sorry, one of their products, which I think was like dumb, like nobody, like, and it sort of opens up the market so that anyone can buy luxury, which is not the point of luxury. But um, I, I don't know. I think that that stuff is cool to hear because I think that like stuff like that could actually really work. Like when you were talking about um, like the uh, authentication cards that you have with purses, like, I have no fucking clue where any of my authentication cards are. Like I probably should have saved them somewhere, but like it's, you know, I know that if I really needed to, I can go in and like have my bag scanned and like they would see that it's real if I ever was going to sell them or something, which I don't plan on it. But yeah, I think that that stuff is really cool. And if like you could have like an NFT of your um, authentication card or something like that, I think that that would like, I don't know. I think that would yeah, be there's, there's other weird, there's other interesting like applications too. Like let's say for example, you and your friends want to buy, you want to taste like a $500 bottle of wine and you want to invest in it today. Um, because you, let's say it hasn't even been created yet. Like let's say you're like, you know what, five years from now, I want to have access to this bottle of wine and it's being produced today. It's not going to be ready. It's not going to be aged sufficiently, but me and my group of four friends, um, we, you could basically fractional ownership, this NFT to where you could basically, you know, each put in a certain chunk of money or something, or, or each have a fractional piece of this thing and verify that like, yeah, you're a quarter owner of this bottle or something like that. 
Um, or maybe it's like cask of wine or something or like a like a series of them. And each of you get one of the bottles in this like collection or something like that. So there's ways to like like fractionally invest in something like wine or luxury goods where like maybe there is a situation where you might be sharing something um, as opposed to just simply like uh, owning it yourself. So th there's possibilities like that. Um, that like they may not always make sense, right? Like it's one thing to say, oh, an NFT can do something. It's a whole other thing to say it should be done. So I think um, the companies, you know, or people, what they'll do is they'll take this technology and say, hey, where does this make sense? Like, you know, uh, is it useful in this context or not? And then they'll have to decide, is it a good, like, is there a good business model or marketing or whatever around it, right? Like it's, it's not automatically just because some new tech gets made that all of a sudden it has to be used for something. And sometimes the companies get confused. They're like, oh, maybe we should like play on the NFT craze and like build some shit. And like, um, you know, like, you know, like if McDonald's starts talking, talking about taking Bitcoin or something, that's all cute and everything, but they're not really serious. Like they're just sort of like trying to play on the like, you know, blockchain crowd a little bit and get some advertising out of it. Same, same thing with Elon and Tesla and stuff. Oh, we're going to accept Bitcoin. But like, they're not really, really being serious about the whole thing. They're just sort of messing around to some extent and they're doing it so they can just sort of like, it's like free advertising for them for fairly wealthy people who are sort of into tech. So it's like, they're just playing on the clout of, or riding that wave to some extent, but it's not, it's never been clear to me that they're super serious about um, like, you know, advancing, you know, the crypto space very intensely. In fact, if you speak to Elon, like, um, like if you hear him speak about Bitcoin or other things, like I think they had a Bitcoin conference. Um, he doesn't sound like he's extraordinarily like well-versed in it. Like, I, I feel like if I had a debate with him, it would be funny. Like, I don't think he, like he has, he understands it superficially, but I don't think he's really, really into it. Even though people like, you know, like his Doge thing where he kind of posted about it. I think he truly honestly was just fucking around. I don't think he was really cared. Uh, and like people like, oh, he's pumping his own bags and he's like, you know, moving the market and this and that. It's like, he's just messing around. Elon's just like that. Like he couldn't give a flying fuck about Dogecoin or whatever. Like he just not, he just doesn't have that like deep sort of care about the, the blockchain space. Although some of us thinks he should, because like it makes sense for like currency, interplanetary currency and things like that. So there, there are reasons why we think he should take it more seriously, but um, he's never really been that into it. Like if you hear him speak, you can tell he doesn't understand, like, not understand, but he, you can tell he hasn't done the deep dive. You can tell usually in people's language, like what words they use, like, do they really understand what they're talking about? Or are they just sort of like superficially getting it? I think Elon's one of those, like, now, uh, you know, I'm not going to have a debate with him about like rockets and shit. Holy fuck. Like, like, you know, obviously. Um, but the point is like, he, he's, he's, he's a genius. I just don't think so some of these companies like space, you know, like Tesla and uh, whatever, they will, do nfts and they'll do crypto largely as sort of a marketing gimmick so far i haven't seen like companies really really push into this as sort of like their main thing um travala.com is interesting it's like a travel agency thing where you can basically connect your crypto wallet and buy tickets tickets to different things and i think that's super interesting because i'll probably have like i have a like a crypto wallet that i keep aside and like if i'm traveling i can buy like tickets direct through them, um, like without ever using my uh, crypto anywhere in the like continental United States or something like that. So you can like, you can get around the world with it a little bit with certain travel agencies, which is kind of convenient. Um, Cause like 
when you're talking about travel, like it's not so much the food and stuff that's expensive. You know, you're going to spend a lot more on the airfare and the the trap, the actual hotels and things like that. So it's like that's a good place to spend your money. Is during travel is a pretty decent place to use up your crypto if you make some or like earn some yield or something like that. But anyway, yeah. So thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was part two of a multi-part CFI space. They titled, Be Careful What You Say, You Never Know Who Is Listening. Recorded on Sunday, September 11th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit, like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsements. Of course, we're tripping balls, hand in reports. It. The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch No shit, spitting facts with my vision smash Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastised into digging holes in the back nine the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two